You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 597. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 8th of December, 2023. In today's episode, the EU is looking at allowing a single pilot in the cockpit while cruising. And the NTSB releases new info on February's near collision between a plane landing and one taking off in Austin. Also ahead, more news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger. And Flight 597 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger Stern. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins on 92.3 FM in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, an almost retired pilot at a major U.S. legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me from his studio... In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330-340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's our friend, the lovely Captain Nick. Age maids are milking. It's the 8th of December, isn't it, Jeff? But you're going to tell me that's not part of the 12 days, aren't you? I'm not going to say a thing. You, you nailed it, man. You nailed it. But, but to be truthful, I'd quite like eight maids milking. That would be good fun. Mm, I'll bet you do. <laughs> and also joining us from his home studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot, AMP mechanic, old airplane enthusiast, and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry. It's Nick Camacho. Hey, Captain Jeff and crew. Glad to be able to drop in here for a little bit in between all my travels here. Yeah, we're glad that you were able to drop in as well. Just don't drop anything else, if you know what I mean. And also, joining us from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, a place to uh, something stand and a place to grow with lots of snow, retired financier, aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer. It's Liz Piper. Hi, Jeff, Nick, other Nick. Whichever one you want to be. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm old saying which one's, Captain Nick tonight. Which one's the other Nick? Whichever one wants to be the other Nick. Ah, okay. And that's Got up it. to them. Have a good okay. show, you guys. Well, thank you. All right, let's, uh, let's do some news. Stand by for news. 
Let's start with this one. Let's start off on a down note, shall we? Yeah. Uh, this is from ALPA.org, the Airline Pilots Association.org, of which I am a member for another, I don't know, couple of weeks. And uh, it's uh, the, the headline is Made in the EU, Reduced Crew Operations, by Captain Ojan de Bruyne. I don't know how to pronounce that, but uh, that's close enough. He's the president of the European Cockpit Association. Why isn't it the European Flight Deck Association, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I like it. Although it may not be a source of pride, a significant development is taking place right now in our own backyard, the Europeans' y- Union. Ugh. European <laughs> The European Union Aviation Safety Agency, EASA, And at least two manufacturers are actively pursuing the elimination of one pilot from the flight deck. Can you guess who it is? (laughs) Oh, um, during (laughs) cruise phase. (laughs) Well, you know what? What, What's his name, Jeff? Come on. I I don't know. But you know what I'm thinking? If I thought that this is really kind of a big deal, but apparently if it's just one pilot, what the heck? Nobody's going to miss that one pilot. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Um. Anyway, uh, during uh, – so let me read that sentence again. At least two manufacturers in EASA are actively pursuing the elimination of one pilot from the flight deck during cruise phase. These controversial plans have likely already caught your attention. They did mine. As they'll have global implications despite originating in Europe. So how did this all begin and what lies ahead? Let's delve into the details. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole article, but – I'll read a little bit more of it, and then I'll have the rest in the show notes for you to peruse. The process of enabling single pilot operations during cruise, referred to as extended minimum crew operations, which is EMCO. Okay, I'd like to pause for a moment. Why did they make the E like a little E? What the? I have what the no heck? idea. What's the point of that? Is extended oh, not an important word? It looks hip. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly like the why. I and iPhone. You're right, Camacho. It's just like, yeah, like I and iPhone. I guess it's stupid. If anybody from the whatever organization uh, came up with that stupid uh, acronym thing, um, I, I think it's stupid. Okay, continuing. Um, manufacturers Airbus and Dassault, Dassault approached Yaza to investigate this matter. Under the guise of fostering innovation and facilitating the development of new technologies, the agency deemed such a proposal worthy of, exa- of examination. EASA launched a work stream encompassing preliminary research into the scope of EMCO, an assessment of hazards, risks, mitigations, and ultimately a review of the existing regulations to accommodate EMCO with the little e. In late 2021, the agency initiated initiated its first phase by establishing an EMCO expert group composed of industry t- stake. Okay, wait. Let's just move on to the stuff that really makes Get to the meat of it, will you? The meat of this article. Tell me, Liz, where is the meat here? Where's, Where's the, the beef? beef? Where's the beef? <laughs> That's you'd have to be an old person to understand oh, that reference. I qualify. I know you did, you you got it I, and I did and mm-hmm. and anybody uh, I didn't born, I have no idea what you're talking about but well and the, the we have a uh, uh, a a burger joint here called Wendy's and that was a huge marketing campaign back in the what was that Where's 70s probably beef? 70s or 80s. Yeah. yeah, this little lady, the like little grandma lady and she go in and go, "Where's the beef?" Where's the beef? 
Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> sounds sounds scintillating. I'm uh, it was so a good, it was a great that. marketing campaign. You just have to you'd have to be there, Nick. You just have to <laughs> yeah. be there. Okay. You were probably like flying F-18s or something in Australia. Probably. At the I time. was probably yeah, in a country Doing where something. you eat kangaroos. Yeah. Where's the kangaroo? <laughs> Showtime. Maybe starting there, where, do you see where it starts a consortium of aviation and transport engineering organizations? Uh, yeah. Consortium. Okay. I think that's kind of getting beefy there. Okay. I'll um, continue. A consortium of aviation transport engineering organizations and consultancies has been entrusted with the task of assessing the feasibility of implementing EMCO within the EU regulatory framework. The consortium's primary objectives include developing a comprehensive risk assessment framework and undertaking an in-depth investigation of key safety hazards. Oh, this is not good. Um, notably, the research focuses on various aspects related to single pilot operations. And I don't know what they have against married pilots, but Okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, such as failure conditions, sleep inertia, incapacitation and detection, fatigue, and the absence of the pilot at the controls during a lavatory break. The findings of the research are expected by the end of 2024. Um, just a side note here. Uh, there was a uh, one of the aviation news sources that we use on occasion, uh, Simple Flying. They had like some bullet points um, talking about this um, whole discussion about extended minimum, oh, what is it called? Extended EMCO. And they said that uh, they talked about uh, psychological breaks. And I'm thinking, I think they mean physiological breaks, not psychological. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're very similar words. They both start with a P, mm, P and end with an L. Anyway. Uh, the findings of the research are expected by the end of 2024. If this research doesn't specify any specific red flags and safety, <laughs> as if that's going to happen, uh, safety op, uh, Liz just made me stumble here. If this research doesn't identify any specific red flags and safety objections, this rule or the rulemaking and certification phase of the EMCO with Lily process will likely encounter no issues. These tasks are aimed at amending the existing legal framework applicable to air operations and air crew training within the EU, thus allowing EMCO. Gosh darn it. This is not where I wanted to go with this. I wanted to read all the problems with why this is a really, really bad idea. Um, and it's just, it, I don't know, maybe I must have, I must have read some other article. Uh, but basically, they're trying to get rid of the staffing levels uh, on airplanes, uh, pilots in particular, um, and and this is just to me like just putting putting the crack you know your foot in in the into the door you know before it's completely closed. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but you get what I'm saying. Um, it's it's not a good idea. And why I, why are the Aircraft manufacturers, uh, Captain Nick, uh, would you think that the aircraft manufacturers are so uh, headstrong and hell-bent to kind of implement this kind of thing? Because I don't see how that's going to affect their uh, bottom line. Uh, it seems to me that it would be something that the airlines would absolutely be wanting to do because that means they don't have to pay as many uh, employees, uh, well, you know, pilot. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Jeff. But 
the customers are what drives the manufacturers uh, concepts for the next generation of airplane so all if all the airlines are going uh, okay uh, Airbus okay Boeing uh, we need you to uh, make it cheaper for us to operate these airplanes uh, how okay. about designing a cockpit that only requires one pilot that'll halve our pay um, costs for uh, recruiting pilots uh, so you know go fix it for us uh, and okay. whilst yeah. this is eu uh, by the way bear in mind uh, our, the britain does is not no longer a member of the eu and doesn't uh, isn't in easa but uh, the european boys are certainly uh, um, looking at this because uh, you can imagine low-cost airlines with uh, hundreds of airplanes and hundreds upon hundreds of pilots uh if you suddenly halve the uh the you know wage cost for all those pilots and some of them pretty well paid you're gonna save a lot of money so uh it is it is just the ongoing evolution uh, and it's it's driven by the airlines because they want to cut costs but of course uh, it won't work unless the manufacturers give them a product which will operate safely with one pilot now you and i are definitely on the skeptical side of how do you make an airplane operate safely in all aspects in all regimes of flight with only one pilot and i think between us we have discussed this and it's inconceivable uh, in the technology we have seen to date um there would be have to be a monumental change to the way um, the whole aviation um, is sorted out, how airports deal with aircraft uh, that are inbound, um, how uh, the route structures and how uh, aircraft are controlled. Uh, all that needs to do a complete ramp up if you're going to reduce the number of pilots on because there needs to be adequate safety uh, and a lot of that safety will now be picked up it won't be on the flight deck with you monitoring each other it'll be picked up by air traffic controllers etc etc and we're already well aware that air traffic control is having its own problems uh, due to reduced manning uh, and a loss of um, safety and I, I can say that because we've had enough incidents now where we are truly seeing uh, some issues in air traffic um, and if it, if it continues that they're not going to be in a position to pick up any of the load that the airlines put upon them because they've got fewer guys on the flight deck and the one pilot that might be available at the controls gets maxed out because all of a sudden he's got a major route change he's got a fault in the aircraft he's got uh, disruption in the cabin you know all these things can happen at once and uh, you know you can completely overload someone uh, so yeah it's it's an interesting thing it's so far it looks like it's um they're just investigating it and they have been for some time because yeah. the word has been on the street that they uh, airbus in particular are developing uh aircraft that uh, are capable of being flown by uh, one pilot so they're looking at aircraft that can divert themselves aircraft that will fly uh, completely pardon me, autonomous approach, aircraft that will do autonomous takeoffs, um, 
it may get to the point where we don't have any pilots at all. You never, you never know. I don't know. Well, this is just the luck, tip people. of the iceberg, though. Yeah. Well, I, one thing I'd really like to say right now is uh, I didn't want to interrupt um, the eloquent um, narrative that <laughs> you were doing there, which was awesome. <laughs> but the the correct use of the word fewer. Thank you so much, oh, and yeah. not and and not less. Just a reminder to you folks out there: if you can count it, they're it's not fewer. interchangeable. They are not interchangeable <laughs> words. I, I think that's a bit old-fashioned, Jeff. I think in the in the well, I'm old-fashioned. We use <laughs> in the modern. Well, we, we've I'm learned sorry. to interchange them. I'm uh, I'm not giving it up. <laughs> not giving it up. It pisses me off. There are a lot of things <laughs> pissing me <laughs> off today. Um, Let's just make a okay. note that Captain Nick's yeah. uh, grasp of the English language might be a little more on point this week than it was last week. <laughs> so far. <laughs> That's why I told him not to listen to the audio podcast. Audio only. Okay. Now I see. I know, I know that by saying that he was now, definitely going to listen to the whole darn thing. <laughs> yeah, I am. There's three more hours of my life wasted. <laughs> yeah. Thanks guys. Oh, see, not even the crew really has any respect for this endeavor. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Does Nick Camacho have any commentary? Does on Nick this Camacho topic? have any commentary regarding this whole thing about reduced crew operations during cruise on extended uh, with a little E, um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the MCO stands for. Um, I, you know, the only, uh, couple of things that I'll mention, obviously I don't operate part 121 or anything, uh, but it's not just part 121 right now, at least in the United States and the FAA, it's not just part 121 that requires two pilots. Most of the jet operations within the United States, the business jet operations require two pilots. There's only a handful of types that are, you know, that have single pilot uh, requirements. So it's not just a, you know, uh, Airbus Boeing thing um, that, that drives this uh, multi-pilot cockpit thing. Uh, the other, the other kind of more uh, lighthearted point I was going to make, I guess, is you know, I'm sure they're looking at all of these systems to make it safer, you know, additional automation to either handle communication or better navigation of the airplane, but they're going to have to implement like a pilot relief system, right? Because you're, you're definitely not gonna be able to get up and walk out of the cockpit if you're the only guy in the cockpit. So, or girl, you know, gal, pilot. I don't know. Maybe that's in something that they've been thinking about. But so I would think maybe some sort divers. of emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. This yeah. whole thing is being sponsored by Depends. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Depends is one of the major spacemen and space women have this issue, and that's how they deal with it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can just I imagine know. you walking through the airport in your uniform and your diaper. That'll look great, <laughs> won't it? Waddling through the airport. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, uh, I can just see that that actually would make a great picture for the show would be a bunch of pilots walking through the airport all wearing diapers that would <laughs> show title but, uh, but no, you know to get back that. to kind of the meat of it I, I think and we've talked about it a hundred times on the show but it's uh you know the the problem with single pilot operations is not figuring out how to uh make the airplane work when everything is functioning well and working right it's you know how do you manage system failures and 
and uh, various things that pop up that you don't Wait, necessarily Nothing ever anticipate. goes wrong. Yeah, Camacho, come on. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, it's it's a dumb idea. I I hope that they don't get anywhere with it. And if they do, well, yeah, you're on your own, suckers. I'm going to be out there in my motorhome uh, yeah, we'll driving be flying around. Again. Yeah. So anyway, um, oh, I haul boxes. That's a great idea. The captain and co-pilot seats can be made into lavatories. They can just fly with their pants down. <laughs> Not by the seat of their pants. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they are not watching your commentary uh, on on our show because they may come up with an idea like that. Uh, let's see. Now, on, on a more serious note, um, Brad, uh, the Sultan of Wings, uh, if this idea gained traction, would something like a ground-based drone pilot have access to operating the aircraft should the single pilot become incapacitated? I mean, I suppose so, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I see problems with that, too, as far as... Yeah, I mean, you know, Garmin has a system now that they're starting to put in some of the higher-end, like, uh, TBMs and, and uh, turboprop pipers that, that's an autoland system that is literally yeah. a button that a non-pilot person mm-hmm. in the airplane can push. And, <gasps> a pilot, and the airplane non-pilot will... non-pilot pushes. Yeah. And the airplane <laughs> will essentially fly to the nearest airport and land itself, or fly to an appropriate airport, I guess, and land itself... Um, so I don't think it's necessarily that, you know, we don't think that the technology can be had to, uh, make this work. It's just, once again, like I said, you know, how do you, how do you deal with the unknowns? It's a different situation when you've got one aircraft coming in, being, uh, autonomously guided amongst all the other airplanes that have real pilots on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when every aircraft uh, is in the situation where it is um, under some form of autonomous guidance uh, with limited numbers of aircrew, um, that's when the problem uh, starts to arise because everyone, it's not like one aircraft has an emergency and everyone's going to move out of his way. If every aircraft trying to get into an airport is in the same situation, uh, you know, there's there's no priority. Uh, everyone has to w- make a system that will deal with just everyday problems that occur, that pilots uh, sort out uh, and uh, overcome. And, and I don't think that there is an autonomous system at the moment that will cope with that. And as great as everybody thinks AI is, well, I just don't think it's there yet. Well, exactly right. Look at the pictures that I get out of an AI uh, picture maker. Yeah, with one arm and (laughs) 10 fingers, you know. Uh, Well, arms and fingers are hard, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about, yeah, think about the the computer and its computer brain and how, how difficult it must be for the computer to grasp that all humans, well, most, I'd say 99.9999% of humans have 10 fingers or five fingers on each hand. Okay, I'm being sarcastic there. Obviously, that shouldn't be an issue for a, for a AI to come up. Yeah, don't get me started. Too late. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this from NewYorkTimes.com. Uh, an Alaska Airlines pilot who the, the dude that uh, was on the jump seat used mushrooms has been indicted, but not for attempted murder. Um, 
a pilot acute. Okay, I just read that. Uh, Joseph Emerson is his name. Um, let's see, they in, indicted him instead on a felony charge of endangering an aircraft and 83 misdemeanor counts of reckless endangerment. Um, and we, you know, you'll remember, he was off duty, he was commuting home on a Horizon Air flight. He's an Alaska air pilot. And uh, all of a sudden, he just reached up and supposedly tried to grab the engine uh, shutoff um, um, fire, fire handles. Uh, handles. Yeah, fire handles. That's it. That's what he was trying to do. That's the one. And uh, <laughs> the, that's the, the big one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for helping me out. You're like Liz in my ear, except that you're, you're right I'm here. And, 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 yeah, I love it. I, uh, I need all the help I can get. Anyway. Um, in an interview with New York Times last month uh, at the jail where he's being held, Mr. Emerson said he never intended to hurt anyone. He said he had been struggling to discern reality after consuming hallucinogenic mushrooms, which he had done for the first time two days earlier. Text messages showed his eagerness to get home to his family, and he described being overcome with the convic- conviction that his time in the cockpit was not real. Yeah, so... Uh, obviously, well, what is the dealing? defense that most drunk drivers use if they're going to stand up and try and excuse their actions? I'm, I don't know. What is it? I, I, I don't know. I, I think that this would be the sort of defense people would come up with and say, uh, I'm struggling with life. I've been drinking because I have a problem. Uh, you know, and I'm going, the courts have very little patience for people who uh, do this sort of thing. I have very little patience for stupidity. Uh, and I'm, you know, wondering if uh, this is going to be the same situation with this chap or whether um, he'll be treated we'll differently. Yeah. Um, pilots have spoken for years about how strict federal rules surrounding their mental health uh, have made them fearful of both consulting with doctors about mental issues and using medication. Pilots who take even standard antidepressants are barred from flying for months and winning back their privileges afterward can take a long time. And along those lines, segway, this next segway. news item, uh, what such a smooth segue, wasn't it? Was uh, the Federal Aviation Administrator, uh, FAA Administrator, Mike Whitaker, announced today, which was the 5th of December, so just a couple of days ago, ago. that the agency has officially established the Mental Health and Aviation Medical Clearances Rulemaking Committee. Um, Okay. And they don't have any little letters in their little acronym, thankfully. (laughs) Oh, well, it's not. Uh, The ARC will provide recommendations, or the ARC will provide recommendations to the FAA, FAA on ways to identify and break down any remaining barriers that discourage pilots from reporting and seeking care for mental health issues. The ARC will also consider the same issues for FAA air traffic controllers. I mean, we all know that they're crazy to begin with to even want a job like that. Uh, The rulemaking committee, I'm just kidding. The rulemaking committee will submit its recommendations to the FAA by the end of March 2024. That's I'm, fast. I'm thinking of a way, uh, Camacho, to have some kind of a witty comeback to the 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 uh, the, the slight, the uh, not even slight. It was a slam uh, from those boys at uh, opposing bases. Those tower. I guess it's just the tower boy and his partner now. The tower boy. Not the tower boys anymore. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's wrong with them. Anyway. 
Uh, the FAA will soon name experts from the aviation and medical communities who will serve on the committee. Their work will build on the FAA's previous work to prioritize pilot mental health. All right, so um, what do you got, Camacho? I know you're the one that kind of um, contributed these articles to our discussion today. Yeah, I have cautious optimism, I think is what I would say about this. Um, I think it shows... A I think it shows positive motion from the FAA to um, kind of modernize their approach to how how they handle with how they handle mental and emotional health. You know, I think they're they're current they currently kind of operate on more of like a 1950s mindset when it comes to um, you know mental health when we had when there was a lot less understanding of it. Um, on the other hand, I, you know, the FAA has not always been the most, um, open and accepting, uh, organization when it comes to, uh, input and change, even within their structure. Um, and it's, it's also very well known that, you know, maybe it's not well known, uh, outside the aviation, um, community, but the NTSB and the FAA are two different groups. Um, and it is very common for the NTSB to uh, make recommendations uh, to the explicit recommendations to the FAA and the FAA uh, will not accept them or act upon them uh, based on uh, crash investigations or something like or, I spit in your general direction. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wasn't that from um, uh, Monty Python? Yeah. Something yes. like that. Indeed. Yeah. yeah um, that's, that's kind of what the way the uh, FAA except uh, you didn't communicates say spit. With, Oh, okay. Well, let's not say what they actually said. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm sorry, Camacho. I'm oh, no, so that, I, that was the of crux thought. of my point. Uh, it's a, I, yeah. it's a positive step. I hope that they continue to uh, move in this direction of, um, you know. And another thing is, I see people. I also see, I also see comments of people saying, you know, well, we, what are we doing here? We don't want. We don't want a mentally unstable person flying a, an airplane full of two or 300 people. And, you know, to be clear, I don't think anybody wants that. I think, uh, I think what people want is better communication, uh, from the FAA regarding, you know, medical, um, requirements and, and medical, um, you know, the impacts of, of medical issues. And then also, uh, you know, being able to, uh, understand and return from having an issue. You know, a lot of times these issues are not lifelong medical issues, but they become lifelong aviation issues because the FAA says, Oh, that happened to you once. Well, you're not, you know, you're no longer, uh, cap able to get a medical or get what you need to, to continue, continue flying when it's something that, you know, now modern, uh, medicine and, and therapy practices have been able to um, overcome some of those issues, I guess. Yeah, it's a very good point, Nick. And, um, and I think the important thing you said was you, do, you don't want people, uh, the, the perception is people shouldn't be flying around with mental issues. Well, what you end up with if you can't declare your uh, mental illness and show a willingness to go through uh, a recovery that's exactly what you end up with you end up with a yes. whole bunch of people trying to cope with uh, mental issues 
and keep their medical because they don't want to lose their job or they don't want to lose their medical, which is the worst possible situation. They're trying to keep a lid on all this and it can get to the point where it explodes and you end up with someone like this poor guy and his mushrooms. Yes. Um, so w what is better? It's so much better to be able to freely declare early on in your issue with your mental health that you have a problem that you can get treatment for it and then you can be reassessed and declared fit to go back on and you can go back onto the flight deck as well and fit as the man beside you uh, or the woman beside you um, and so much better to have been through the system and come out the other end confident that you are now in control of yourself 100 percent um, and i don't think people with you know, um, say a bit of stress or a, a bit of anxiety. I don't, I, they, I don't think they ever dip very low in their general fitness, but they, they once they start to recognize what's happening to them, that in itself can create a bit of a spiral, makes it worse. Uh, it's so much better to be able to seek treatment and get back on the flight deck fit and well. Quickly. Yeah, and Absolutely. quickly, as Liz says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Oh, That's way. a great point that I meant to that I meant to make. Sorry, Jeff, is that if if people think that the current state of things is well, the FAA doesn't allow it, so it's just not happening. Um, they they've never dealt with a human being, um, right? Because it's it's very easy to, especially something like this, where uh, you know it's it's been well defined for decades that if you have you know um certain things uh you're not gonna be able to fly so you know if you are a 22 year old kid that goes out and spends or is planning on going out and spending a bunch of money and getting all your ratings and everything it's easy to just omit that from your medical um report you know mm -hmm. so it's not it's not a foolproof system no no now, Mike, main man Micah is making the comment, the question becomes, are pilot standards being lowered? And I don't think so. I don't think no, we're talking about actually lowering the standards as far as competency in pilot skills and, and leadership skills. Are we? No, I don't no. believe so. I don't think this has got um, anything to do with that. No, yeah, I agree. But I mean, it's a good question. Uh, but that yeah. would be something that they, they, they just could not, you know, go in that direction at all. Um, and the other thing that we could do in these cases would be just to make fun of the whole thing and say something like I haul boxes did uh, APG trivia. How many mushrooms does it take to kill an engine? <laughs> Not many, apparently. <laughs> yeah, only yeah, a microdose, apparently. I don't know what how many are um, actually involved. Um, Oops, sorry. sorry. I'm trying to. OK, you do it. Liz. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, that that was funny. I haul boxes. I'm just I'm next. just pimping you a little bit. Okay, next. Um, let's. Uh, I thought it would be better to blame somebody and not come up with a joke like that myself. Mm -hmm, right. Um, all right. Why is my article not loading in Evernote? <laughs> Great. Hey, this would be a perfect time for somebody else to uh, t tackle the next news item since I can't read it from yeah, my. I can read it. Okay. Uh, this is the, the E4 uh, one, right? Yep. This is yeah. from uh, MSN.com. Boeing eliminated from 
U.S. Air Force's doomsday plane competition. The U.S. Air Force has eliminated Boeing from its competition to develop a successor to the E-4B Nightwatch, Boeing confirmed on Friday, shaking up the battle to build the next version of the aircraft known as the Doomsday Plane, due to its ability to survive a nuclear war. The move leaves privately held defense contractor Sierra Nevada Corporation as the lone company publicly vying for the Survivable Airborne Operations Center, SOAC, contract to eventually replace a fleet that has been in use since the 1970s. The Air Force, which plans to award a SAOC contract in 2024, declined to comment on whether other firms had submitted bids. We cannot discuss an active source selection and detailed program information classified, an Air Force spokesperson said. Uh, two sources familiar with Bo the situation said Boeing, the incumbent manufacturer, the E-4B, and the Air Force were unable to come to an agreement on data rights and contract terms with the U.S. plane maker refusing to sign on to any fixed price agreement that locks it into paying costs above an agreed limit. Uh, we are approaching all new contract opportunities with added discipline to ensure we can meet our commitment and support the long-term health of our business, Boeing said in a statement. We remain confident our SAOC approach is the most comprehensive, technically mature, and lowest risk solution for customers and Boeing. Um, so I'm confused, yeah. um, Nick. I mean, you're in the aerospace engineering and aerospace mm -hmm. industry. Um, so uh, there was another article here from um, Aviation Week that I threw in there as well. Sierra Nevada Corporation's underdog bid for the next U.S. doomsday plane. And this was uh, several weeks ago. Actually, it was back in August. Um, and so I'm thinking, and then looking at the picture that they have in this article from Aviation Week, gosh, they are that, that airplane. It's a four-engine airplane with a big hump on the on on the top on the front uh, looks <laughs> a lot like a Boeing seven forty seven. I'm just confused. I I thought Boeing wasn't going to be a part of this. I, I what's happening here? What's going on? Why am I so confused? Yeah. So it's uh, this is this kind of drives towards the new uh, new approach. I think or or a uh, a more modern approach to how some of these companies are uh, tackling these contracting opportunities um yeah like jeff said basically what sierra nevada is proposing is that they just go out and they buy a handful of used 747s and then they um they aren't so uh boeing you know is kind of considered more of a, a whole whole hog sort of company right they do the airframe they build the airframe they do the integration and what comes out at the end is a complete product Sierra Nevada Corporation is more of an integrator, right? So they'll buy the 747, but then they'll um, build and assemble and install all the systems to turn the 747 into this E4B thing. Um, and that's not uh, not tremendously uncommon. They did something very similar on the uh, light attack contract about a decade ago uh, when the Air Force was looking for a low-cost light attack airplane for Afghanistan. Um, they basically bought a Super Tucano from Embraer, and then they outfitted it with the defense systems. Um, and so I I guess what that does is it kind of limits the scope of their their business um, their business system. So they're not they don't grow so big and they can kind of keep costs in alignment a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, that's so do you think it's only simple minded people like me that get confused when they see a headline like Boeing is eliminated from the 
doomsday airplane thing. And they go, well, what airplane, what manufacturer is going to be used then? Is it going to be an Airbus? Is it going to be uh, a Cessna? Is it going to, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. what are they going to use? Yeah. <laughs> just, that's, so that that's true. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, uh, keep in mind that probably what's going to happen is Sierra Nevada is going to go buy these 747-8s from some airline or freight company that is done flying them. So uh, Boeing isn't ever going to see a cut of this contract. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like SNC is saying we're going to go to Boeing and buy five gotcha. or eight of these airplanes. So in that way, you could, you know, say that Boeing will have nothing to do with it. Although the airplane that they'll probably use as the framework of this airplane or framework right. of this project or mission is going to be a, a Boeing airplane. Okay. Right. Um, let's see, what am I missing here? Uh, I hall boxes says, um, let's see, pain field K P A E is going to be rebranded pain P A I N field soon. Hmm. Because why somebody help me out with that? Because it's going to be a pain for them not to have something to do with this. I don't know. I don't get it. I'm being dumb today. Apparently. Um, <laughs> Anywho, and then but I can see there'll be there'll be savings if they can pick up some cheap dash eights that uh, somebody's dumped because the company's gone bust. Uh, that that's going to be a, a major saving compared with yeah. uh, taking on brand new airframes or ordering brand new airframes from Boeing. Uh, and it's a bit like uh, buying an airplane and kitting it out as a biz, you know, as a, a flying luxury biz jet. I mean. <laughs> In my mind, because uh, you're basically taking an airframe and you're putting in a whole bunch of very sophisticated electronics in it, like uh, eight-track stereo and all that kind of stuff. You know? <laughs> oh, sure, Captain Nick. Make it sound completely reasonable and logical and, and, and uh, make me look like a dummy. Sure, thanks. <laughs> uh, no, good point, though. To do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just doing it to myself, actually. <laughs> uh, and I, I was just uh, going to also mention, you know, that... Yeah. It's come up in a couple of these articles that the fixed price um, contract is kind of a sticking point. And that's, you know, in my experience, most defense contracts are, are managed either on a fixed price basis or on a time and materials basis, right? So you go, uh, fixed price agreement is probably what most people are, are, are more familiar with, where the government says, we're going to give you a billion dollars to build us five airplanes, right? Um but uh, another way that these companies manage them is with a, a time and materials um, rate, basically. And so they'll agree on a, uh, they'll agree on like labor rates and material, you know, and then have a time and materials uh, factor and then a, a labor and profit factor. And then the company goes off and builds, uh, you know, builds the airplanes based on those rates. And, um, and so that, gives the government a little less control, right? Because it's kind of dependent on the market fluctuations and everything. And I assume that that's kind of what I assume the past few years and supply chain issues and things like that have kind of driven Boeing into that corner of saying, you know, they probably had a lot of work lined up pre 2019, um, at the way things were, um, costed and procured then. And then there was a huge, shift in prices of everything and um 
I don't know, I have no inside information, but I assume that put Boeing and other companies, other giant companies spending billions of dollars a year, uh, put them in bad situations. So I assume that's kind of what's driving their, their stance on this and why they're, looks like they're on the outside looking in for this contract. And fixed price uh, will seem cheaper because you know what it's going to cost at the end. But of course, over the lifespan of the contract, uh, it's it's almost certain that the spec will change. Mm -hmm. And every time the spec changes and they rewrite the contract, uh, the fixed price goes up. So it's never actually fixed price. It's fixed price if the Air Force and the government can keep their fingers out of the design for the whole life of the build. Right. Um, but as soon as they go, oh, we've got this new uh, type of um, secure radio. We'd, we'd like you to take out all those useless ones and put in these instead. And they go, oh, sorry, that's not part of the contract. You want a new contract now, and that's going to cost you megabucks. Yeah. So I think I finally have an idea now in my head regarding this whole, you know, what the airplane could potentially look like. And I'm thinking it could look a lot like this with <laughs> wings on it, right? Because Sierra Nevada. Excellent. Yeah. Was that yeah, not that the would same be very popular if that comes around. Yeah. Almost as popular <laughs> as the Duff balloon. Hmm. Duff, okay. Duff beer. I don't know yeah. that reference. Yeah. Uh, uh, like uh, Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of was. Uh, well, that it's made kind of out of aluminum. Flat. It's kind of a good prototype. Yeah, it is. It's made out of aluminum. So, tubular. I mean, tubular. It it's, looks a little bit like a, an A. I'm, I'm going to stop doing this because when I open it up, it's going to be <laughs> spraying all over the place. All right. Um, let's. Uh, we're we're getting some uh, guidance from our producer telling us to move to uh, F for the mm -hmm. next Correct. news item. What do you guys think? Is that yeah. a good idea? Yeah. All right. Um, well, you're the one that you suggested it, Liz. You can't say yes, it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. I well, have I a guess vote. you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this is from statesman.com. And the NTSB releases information on near collision at Austin Airport. And that, of course, was the event where the Southwest jet was cleared for takeoff, didn't roll immediately uh, under low visibility conditions. There was a FedEx jet on, on final approach, and uh, it was a, a near collision, I'd say. Um, an air traffic controller on duty when FedEx and Southwest planes nearly collided earlier this year at Austin Bergstrom International told federal investigators he expected the passenger airline to pick uh, to take off quicker or more quickly, avoiding the incoming FedEx plane he had instructed to land on the same runway. The planes came within 100 feet of each other that morning of February 4, avoiding a collision when the FedEx plane's pilot aborted his landing according to the federal report. The incident, often cited by government officials advocating for improvements to the country's air safety system, put the lives of 131 passengers at risk. Three days later, the controller, I'm not going to use his name, uh, sat down for an interview with National Transportation Safety Board investigators to discuss the near collision. The 13-year traffic controller um, described having an expectation bias with Southwest because during his more than four years at Austin's airport, Southwest crews were typically ready to take off as soon as they got permission. Recall, recalling the circumstances around the incident, Campbell said, oops, um, he said, definitely could have held them, suggesting 
he could have uh, directed the Southwest crew to wait. The expectation bias was being uh, being what it was. It looked to be a safe operation, but hindsight being 2020, uh, definitely could have held them. He told the NTSB investigators, according to a newly released 293-page transcript of the interview. They also, uh, the NTSB, published 3,000 pages of documents, including the transcript and other materials. Um, anyway, so um, they were looking into, obviously, what happened here and what could possibly have made it um, less likely to happen. And one of the interesting things is Austin uh, is not one of the 35 uh, airports around this country that use uh, Airport Surface Detection System Model X or ASDX, which is the, uh, yeah, it detects, it's like a low uh, surface uh, radar system that spins really fast. If you ever see one of these little antennas kind of twirling around really, really fast, that's probably the, and that's usually on top of the control tower or near it. It's called the ASDX that uh, kind of keeps track of all vehicles and airplanes and everything else on the surface of the airport. And and they don't have that. And uh, I'm thinking that that's probably something that's going to be implemented there. And then also they mentioned the fact that the staffing levels were uh, not great. Uh, not as many people that uh, could have been on duty at the time. Um, I'm not saying that correctly, but the staffing levels have been an issue with uh, air traffic control, as, as uh, Captain Nick has just you know, mentioned a few minutes ago uh, regarding um, staffing levels for all aviation-related endeavors. So that's the, that's the update on that. Anything you guys want to say to contribute? Okay, good. Captain Nick's trying to speak, but he's got his oh. mic off. Captain Nick. No, you, I was uh, just moving my lips. It just reinforces uh, what we guessed was the situation when, uh, hello, can I have a beer? Um, when we discussed it the first time around, really, uh, you know. Um, so it's nice to see that we were more or less on the right track. It's always good when we're even anywhere close to being on the right track. Indeed. All yeah. right. Let's uh, continue. Um, Thank you. Just a quick nice. comment from yep. iHall Boxes on this oh, whole Oh, we have situation. a quick comment from iHall Boxes, and it says, Air Safety System. Anyone who could come up with an abbreviation for that? <laughs> well, I think if you did a little a, it wouldn't be so True. Weird. Yeah, that's true. And S. by the way, Liz has suggested you do a big that a, we, and then we the call little. it um, APG with a little a. a I think PG. so. Yeah, we're going to change all. <laughs> yeah. I've got Mar Jim Mercado on the phone here, Jim. <laughs> you got Mercado on the phone, our yeah, brand he's ambassador. On. He's already working on the changes. Uh, uh, Nick Camacho, can you stay around for the next two before you go? I think they're yeah. right up your alley. Okay, good. Great. Okay. All right. Uh, so next one, uh, we should go with uh, F and G. <laughs> um, F and G and H. F right. and G and H. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so this is from flyingmag.com, Flying Magazine. And uh, it involves uh, Trevor Jacob, the former Olympian uh, who 
uh, who was just minding his own business, uh, happened to have a parachute. He was wearing a parachute and fire happened to have the door cracked open. And he, oh, yeah, he had a couple of fire extinguishers strapped to his uh, uh, calves. Um, and uh, the engine stopped. Wow, that was a surprise. And uh, it was very well uh, documented through uh, many, many camera angles that uh, were positioned and, yeah. specifically to uh, film his uh, his exit of the uh, aircraft. And, of course, I'm being very facetious here. There he is. Here. He's on his way out there. Yeah, so uh, he is 30 years old. He gained notoriety okay, when he, when he filmed himself bailing out of his Taylorcraft BL-65, which is in its in itself a, a terrible thing that happened here and destroyed a beautiful airplane. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, according to let's see where what's the the meat of this? Um, he was sentenced list? to six months in jail. Sentenced to six months in jail. And uh, anything else that? Um, yeah, but then you want to go down to the next article okay. because that's the really the. Right okay. After. Yeah, and I agree with this article here uh, in its um, uh, description of his sentence. Um, this is from Crime in L.A. No, it's L.A. Mag, uh, mm-hmm. L.A. LA Magazine. Mag, yeah. uh, after receiving lenient a lenient prison sentence, I agree. Uh, Olympian Trevor Jacob posts a YouTube video bragging that he got his pilot's license back, but the FAA says otherwise. <laughs> Wait a minute, not so fast. Um, let's see, uh, this, they talk about the fact that, uh, him making this video, uh, claiming that he has his license back could, uh, uh, land him in more trouble. Um, let's see, dur- despite this week's slap on the wrist, uh, day later, Jacob posted a new, okay, I got, got my pilot's license back, but going to prison. Uh, and, uh, in the latest YouTube video, which he says was filmed a day before he faced a federal judge in DTLA court. Monday, Jacob climbs into a small plane with an unknown woman. Oh, he didn't know her? And says into the camera that he wanted to wind down before the sentencing. At one point, a dog appears in the woman's lap as he flew, and she blurts, I feel so safe flying with you. You're not going to jump out of the airplane, are you? Uh, Despite being in a plane piloted by a man, the FAA says does not have a license. On Wednesday, Stephen Klum, a spokesperson for the Federal Aviation Agency, no, Federal Aviation Administration, uh, told Los Angeles uh, Jacob, uh, the magazine, Jacob's pilot's license is still revoked. The U.S. Attorney's Office for Central California had no comment when asked if Jacob could now face new charges in connection Let's with the new so. social media post. Ruh, ruh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... It sounds like he's, <laughs> he's determined to put himself uh, in jail for a while. Um, I, I noticed, um, <laughs> Jeff, that he wasn't actually um, found guilty of all the things we assumed he would. The bit he was found guilty for, which is why he's got six months, is for the destruction and conceal- concealment with the intent of obstruct. Uh, sorry, destruction and concealment with the intent to obstruct a federal investigation. So it was the fact that he took the wreckage away uh, and then broke it up and tried to hide it in various bins around the airport. It had nothing to do with the fact that he leapt out of a serviceable aeroplane uh, for a stunt, which uh, um, left the aircraft out of control. It could have landed on someone or destroyed property uh, uh, 
down below because he had no idea where it was actually going to uh, arrive. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know whether that bit has now been forgotten or whether he's going to come up on further charges regarding that. That Oh, come on. Everybody does that me. kind of stuff, though, Nick. You know. <laughs> yeah, Maybe they're saying they couldn't investigate the other charges because he concealed all this evidence. I don't know. I, yeah, I my guess would be, and I don't, I have not been following this. This disgusts me so much that I have just ignored basically everything. <laughs> Very sensible since the last chat. time we talked about yeah. it. Yeah, but uh, you know, generally how our uh, judicial system works is that when people uh, plead guilty to something, oftentimes they do that in exchange for something, right? They get something, yeah, and I, if some I would, yeah, I would guess that there was some concern on the. Uh, state side of things like the attorney general side of things about being able to prove um his intent prove and stuff. his guilt yeah and mm -hmm. and prove his intent and make everyone on a jury believe him and and going to a jury trial is a long expensive process and um you know in the fact that before he pled guilty to this you know now he's saying he did it intentionally but you know back when it first happened he he was my recollection was he was either uh, non-committal about it or was saying that he didn't do it on purpose and all that sort of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, if I had to guess, it was just, you know, the, the attorney general saying like, well, this is a slam dunk because he's admitted to, you know, moving it and the destruction of evidence and stuff like that. And that's probably why it ended up this way. Well, let's hope this new video lands him in more trouble. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm curious yeah. to see what happens regarding this. <laughs> I hall boxes has another comment. I uh, hall boxes. I have to find the window has another comment. Prison guards. I'd check for uh, files in his pant legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you do a good pat down on this guy. Yeah. Yeah. The files would be uh, easier to, uh, to hide. I think than the fire extinguisher bottles. All right, let's uh, continue with this last item in our news segment for 597. This from AvWeb. Uh, we talked about a story not long ago, a couple of uh, episodes about Vans Aircraft, uh, manufacturers of the Vans RV, actually uh, home-built um, company. Um, had, they filed for Chapter 11 protection while it reorganizes with the goal of maintaining existing services and emerging as a solvent company again. So Nick um, Camacho, you're our, uh, the person that dabbles in, uh, not dabbles, but uh, is kind of an expert in uh, general aviation and, and home builds and, and light airplanes in general and, and working on them and maintaining them and all that. Uh, what do you, what do you think about this? Is this, do you think it's a good, a good thing that they're getting this protection? I, I don't know. Um, so we have, uh, over here in the show notes, we have the actual announcement from Vans. Uh, mm -hmm. I also found an article from, uh, AOPA where they talk about some of the details of the bankruptcy. Um, and you know, just to refresh everybody who didn't listen, I think it was about three weeks ago that we talked about this, maybe four weeks ago, something mm -hmm. like that. Something um, like that. Yeah. Vans made a couple of, uh, decisions, uh, due to, um, rising parts and manufacturing costs that kind of, uh, bit them. They, they, uh, where they make their quick build kits, they, uh, I don't know if they changed primers or, or what, but they had an issue with a primer that ended up being corrosive and causing 
um, issues with a number of quick build kits and that kind of put them behind the eight ball. And so then one to hour mark guys, try to uh, catch back up or, or, or um, increase their um, pace. They changed, um, they changed um, manufacturing processes on how they made some of their parts to a laser process and that caused more issues. And so, you know, those two kind of snowballing effects caused them to, um, about a month ago say, you know, we're doing this big reorganization where, you know, there's going to be a number of changes in the company. And so then here just this week, they came out and said, yeah, we're going to have to go into uh, chapter 11 bankruptcy. Um, I'm not a bankruptcy expert. I know it's, um, you don't even call it bankruptcy over there, uh, Captain Nick, but, uh, in the States we have different, um, there's different forms of bankruptcy. Uh, you know, a lot of people recognize bankruptcy as someone who is insolvent and they basically have to like, um, liquidate. Yeah. Liquidate, right. All their assets get sold off. That is not what Vans is doing. Chapter 11 basically, um, protects them and gives them time to climb out of the hole they've got themselves into essentially. Um, now, whether that's going to work or not, uh, I don't know. A couple of things that I read in the AOPA article, it says um, the 51-year-old Oregon firm will immediately raise kit prices about 32%, and parts prices are likely to rise even more than that, company officials said. And then uh, right after that, it says customers with kits on order will have the option of paying the new higher prices or canceling their orders and seeking refunds through the bankruptcy court process as unsecured creditors. Such creditors typically receive only partial refunds. So, you know, the best, the best way for vans to get out of this obviously is to sell a bunch of airplanes and build a bunch of airplane kits and, and increase their revenue. Um, they do have a avenue to do that. You know, a couple of years ago they had the RV 15, um, at Oshkosh and kind of making the show circuits and it was an incredibly popular prototype. And there's, there still is a tremendous buzz for that airplane and, um, everyone was talking about it being the, as the day it came out, it was going to be the most popular, um, experimental amateur built airplane. And, you know, they were going to sell a thousand kits on the first day and everything. Uh, well now, you know, I think you look at 32% is a significant price, uh, increase. Um, and then, you know, it's puts these people who have ordered kits in a horrible situation. You know, if you've spent you know, a handful of a thousand dollars, handful of thousands of dollars, um, as a deposit on a kit. And then they come back and they say, um, man, off the top of my head, I don't know what the kits cost anymore. About 10 years ago, they cost, they were in like the 30 to $40,000 range. So if a kit these days is going for $40,000, uh, you know, they're essentially adding 10 to $15,000, um, onto the price of the kit. So uh, not insignificant. That's significant. for sure. Um, and, you know, and then your option is basically like lose the money that you've already put into it or put even more money into this company that is literally in bankruptcy right now. It's, uh, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a tough hole for them to dig out of. Oh man. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that they will. I know everybody yep. out there is. Yep. I think so. All right. All well, right. thanks. Thanks for being with us. Nick. Yeah, Nick, uh, yep. before you go, uh, well, here, let me, let me do, uh, something here that we, as part of our show, we did this little bumper getting to know us. 
uh, the part of the show where we kind of get caught up with what everybody's been up to. And just quickly before uh, you go, uh, Camacho, uh, could you tell us what's what's been happening with you? Is he gone? Nope. Nope. Sorry about that. Not a ton. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the uh, When did we record last? Was it a week ago Friday? <sighs> uh, we go Thursday, I think. Yeah, All right. I well, Thursday, in, in any case, we I've been... You know, doing some uh, holiday stuff with the family. And then cool. I was in uh, Phoenix this week for work. Um, ended up having a, a chunk of time on my hands before I, I flew out. So I, I tried to hook up with Rick. But as uh, as Jeff is aware, it's uh, he's a tricky guy to track down. And I think I just missed elusive. him by a couple of days. <laughs> Say again? He's elusive. Yeah, he is. Uh, and, well, and in his defense... Um, I didn't know, you know, when I travel, my itinerary is generally dependent on how things are going work-wise. So I'm always hesitant to reach out ahead of time and line things up. So Very I, fluid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not like I called him two weeks ago. I, I think whatever day it was, one of the days this week, Wednesday, I think. All right, well, let him I messaged him at then. 10 and I said, hey, I've got three or four hours. Do you want to meet for lunch? He said, well, unfortunately, I'm... <laughs> In a different part of the country right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I've got another trip next week for work. And then uh, and then that'll wrap it up for me for the year for my traveling. Um, hopefully, have unfortunately, I have done a uh, higher than normal amount of traveling for work uh, the second half of this year, which has been fun. Uh, I'm doing, I'm, I'm able to, I'm involved in stuff at work that uh, I enjoy and, and, um, you know, ha- has, uh, provides me fulfillment, but at the same Good. time, man, it is really slowing me down trying to get my airplane flying. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. not only am I not home to work on those days, but when I'm gone and I come home, I got to catch up on stuff with the family and the house and then, uh, well, it's don't, always, don't always get out there, to the airplane the way I want to. Just so. waiting for you, you know? Yep. Yep. Calling your name. Yeah. Yep. Well, one of these days, it'll it'll probably slow down a little bit, and you'll have a chance to. Uh, I promise spend more you, time Nick, it family. doesn't. <laughs> yeah, well, sh- I'm trying to be encouraging, Nick. <laughs> just gets worse and worse. And I'm just worse. waiting for. I'm just waiting for and, Captain Jeff to retire and then drive his RV out here to help me catch up on stuff. I am retired, oh, yeah. and but it but as as uh, Captain Nick and Liz can attest. Uh, just because you're retired doesn't necessarily mean everything gets like yeah. you know easier yep. and more relaxed. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, the life a, goes on. I but uh, I am looking with my yeah. dad. <laughs> yeah, I am looking forward to uh, May uh, sometime. Hopefully, fingers crossed when I when I get the motorhome and uh, start my travels. But I'll definitely uh, be uh, living full time with you guys um, in uh, yeah. Wichita. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Thanks, Nick. Careful what you wish weekend. for. Okay. See you, Nick. Yep. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. All the best, Nick. Bye. All right. Well, that Nick was finished with telling us what he's been up to. And this Nick, the one, the other Nick, <laughs> that guy, um, Captain Nick, um, I know that you've been busy. Uh, you've been really busy uh, the last several weeks or months. Uh, on the, yeah, on the talk, I know. Uh, aviation the, the, talk those, show circuit. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Anyone who's waiting show. for the next plane tale will attest to the fact that either I'm being incredibly lazy or I have 
not a lot of spare time, but uh, probably a combination. Um, nah. So yeah, uh, I mean, for example, I was uh, I I played a match uh, of bowls every day this week, and I'm. Uh-huh. Uh, back at the bowls club tomorrow um i've been doing talks and uh and a photo shoot and the lovely laura uh whose dogs i went out and photographed uh is still waiting for her collection of images uh and i thought i'd just i'd just show you uh, one here let me just see if i can i hope she's watching uh, the show and then she can see some of the work that you've done for her well that would be nice uh he has been posting a few on facebook Yes, I have. Uh, and uh, you see, I'm not as quick. Uh, there you go. There, there's an image that uh, I was working on today uh, oh, of uh, three of her four <laughs> uh, Hungarian vislas. Um, this the other side of a five-bar gate. Anyway, that's uh, that's kind of Cute. what I've been doing. Yeah, keep keep <laughs> keeping on, keeping on. So, Laura, if you do listen, uh, then relax. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna get done eventually. I Quit hope in time. Yeah, no, no. She's being very good. I'm the one that's just kind kidding. of being apologetic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, one of the nicest things I've done uh, last week was to go and uh, meet uh, listener Jose. There he is uh, at his uh, company Christmas uh, dinner. Uh, he asked me to come down and talk to the assembled uh, expert scientists uh, in his field of medicine about uh, threat and error management, um, which, which I duly did. And uh, we had a very nice meal, uh, lots of uh, drinks laid on. It was all very pleasant uh, sitting down, having a chat to the boss and one of the other guys, I think from QA, who... Uh, uh, was also very interested in picking my brains. So I'd already spewed out just about everything I could uh, for the evening. And it was in a really nice uh, restaurant uh, near the river, uh, near Tower Bridge, which um, Steph knows well because she runs across it every time she does a, a marathon. And uh, they that's the, sh- sh- <laughs> that's the airline pilot guy being advertised on uh, the uh, display television they had there. So that was all very good. And I, and, we got to um, get Mercado to work on a slide for you so you can see it more clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I think you'll find that it's just a very poor telephone uh, picture. That's the problem. Ah, okay. Uh, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's my we choice. Have some nice, we have some colors. nice audio from Jose, don't we, to play? Ah, and because and, uh, Jose uh, has sent some audio after the event. Uh, so I, I suppose it would be nice to listen to that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a listen. Hello, Captain Nick and the APG crew. This is Jose, and uh, I currently work with a company that uh, manufactures a range of uh, injectable radiopharmaceuticals, and we provide these to patients all over uh, the country. I've been a long-time listener to your show, which I've loved, and I'm leaving this feedback just to express my gratitude and appreciation for Captain Nick's presence at our company's Christmas party last week. He gave us a very informative and entertaining speech on threat and error management. As 
much like yourselves, we also work within a safety critical environment. Captain Nick, your explanation of uh, Captain Asso's defense was hilarious, but stuck with everybody. You're a legend in the aviation world and a role model for many of us. You have a wealth of experience and knowledge that you generously share with your audience. You also have an incredible sense of humor and uh, a knack for storytelling and uh, just kept us engaged and amused. You made uh, all of us feel very comfortable and welcome, and I particularly enjoyed exchanging stories uh, and experiences with you. Now, I have to confess, confess that I was a bit starstruck when you accepted my invitation, and I wanted to make a proper recording of your speech last Friday. So I prepped my work laptop and uh, got my camera all ready. I unfortunately had a series of unfortunate events that prevented me from doing so. I left my work laptop at home running for the train. I put on one of my contact lens the wrong way and I pressed the record button twice on my camera by mistake. So I ended up with no video of your speech, only a blurry memory of your slides. I feel like a complete idiot and I, com I have to apologize for my incompetence. Captain Jeff, as you Americans say, I <laughs> up. Captain Nick, I hope you had a good time at our party and that you enjoyed the food and drinks. We were honored and delighted to have you as our guest, and I hope to see you again soon. Thanks again for your time and your generosity. To all of you, uh, keep up the good work with the podcast. You are all an inspiration to us. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's and based on his qualifications that he uh, set forth, I think that he'd be perfect yeah. to be on the technical crew on you, APG. That's a job for you as a producer, I think. Uh -huh. of, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. A nice, but polite, softly spoken producer who presses the wrong buttons, that would be mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah, Liz was saying that uh, he doesn't have the qualifications. He's just too nice. I've got the nice. wrong buttons locked up, but not the nice part. <laughs> Uh, it was an absolute pleasure, Hosea. I, now, I wasn't sure quite how to pronounce your name, and I was too embarrassed to ask, but you have added an A, I think, Hosea, after your name. So I apologize if I didn't get that quite right when I, we were chatting. But uh, it was a lovely evening. And um, I, I think some of the younger elements in the audience caught on to the name of uh, Captain uh, Arshol and uh, thought I'd said something else. <laughs> so <laughs> when, when I mentioned the asshole defense, they all burst out laughing, which I thought was perfectly appropriate. Uh, <laughs> any APG crew would have done the same, yes. Mm. Exactly yes. right. <laughs> it was nice. fun. And, and I met some very interesting people, there's no doubt about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, including, uh, I think, one of the 
the, the big bosses came down, who was a clinician uh, who seemed much more like, yeah, that's the gent, uh, who seemed much more like um, uh, a pilot than uh, uh, the, a scientist because uh, he, he said uh, his job is really to translate what they do in the industry in his company and then uh, talk to the doctors about it and sort of <laughs> explain. Oh. Um, I, I was fascinated by it. You know, they, uh, these guys who build this uh, or create this um, uh, radioactive uh, material that gets injected in your body, um, apparently, uh, you know, you, you have to be so careful not to allow any bugs to get in it because once it's uh, sort of being created, it, you can't then sterilize it. it you know, it's it, you've got to just kind of look after it, make sure it doesn't get uh, anything nasty in it. And it has a very short la half life. Uh, so if if you you you're sometimes under an incredibly tight uh, time pressure uh, to get the stuff uh, made and then into the hospital and then into the patient. Uh, before it loses effectiveness. Um, so uh, I was just thinking, you know, safety critical environment, time pressure, it is so akin to our job at times, Jeff, when uh, you, uh, you know, you're, you're late and you're, everything's piling up and uh, delays, et cetera, and you're trying to keep the show on the road, et cetera. So, I think uh, given I, their business, it's so appropriate that you got a glowing yeah. review. <laughs> so, oh, wow. oh. No, Liz. Oh, yeah, very, very bad. Uh, not even joke. gonna repeat that. That was also, <laughs> yeah. But we'll, uh, in, a, in the audio only podcast, you'll be hearing the the lovely yeah. little play on words that uh, Liz just used. Um, anyway, I was I was fairly informal at that because it was uh, sort of smart casual. But uh, also last week we went off to our uh, annual charity Christmas dinner, which is a black tie event. So. Uh, uh, I doled up in my best bib and tucker and Christmas waistcoat with my darling wife, and off we went. This was just before she caught the most awful uh, cold uh, and has been um, hiding in the bedroom and watching TV for the last week. But uh, You've dodged love. it. That's good. You didn't get yeah, I, so far I've dodged it. Got a bit of runny nose. but uh, You're looking good, yeah. you two. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. So when you said that uh, that that boss man there at that talk, the uh, radioactive talk that you gave, um, mm. the um, so you said something about him, you know, kind of acting like a pilot. So what you're saying is he talked really loud, drank heavily, and belched a lot out loud, is that <laughs> and told great jokes and so, told horrible uh, yeah. jokes. I no. <laughs> that sounds like Indeed. a pilot to me. Yeah, it sounds just like a pilot. Did he complain about Whereas, his pension? Did he complain about his pension? Uh, he didn't complain about his pension, Liz. But um, it, it it was a, a very time. pleasant evening. Uh, good company That's and great. Uh, very yeah. nice of Jose Excellent. to invite me. Yes, Hosea. Hosea as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. What have you uh, been doing, Jeff? Well, you no, want to talk about Jeff? the. Um, Cover art first, or you oh yes, sure, thank yeah. you. Yep. Okay. Thank you I very can't much. even remember what it was. Very good. Oh yeah, uh, we yeah. Uh, we had an airplane that touched down in a soy field. Field of soy, a soy field. Soybeans. Uh, yeah, soybeans, and uh, then uh, smashed through a fence and then got airborne again, <laughs> which I <laughs> thought was pretty remarkable. So uh, this uh, doesn't have the show title on it, but we I think Here we, we go. called Let's, it. Uh, it was that. A, there you go. A saucy landing. There you go. Yep. 
So that's my our best render rendition of soy sauce. Because mm -hmm. that's what you get um, from a soy field, I gather. Well, eventually. Uh, a little bit yeah. of processing in between. I don't think the bottles are actually and... out there like that, really. <laughs> but oh, I um, they, they have a so, little soy plant growing up inside them, and that makes the sauce. I don't know what's wrong with that. Uh, okay, that's exactly the way it's done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, and <laughs> There's an APG soy on that first bottle. Can you see it? Okay, let's see here. I'm going to try to – come on. Why is this in. not – Going in. I'm trying to zoom in on this thing, but it's not working. Aww. Oh no! Come on now, there we go. Oh, here we go. Um, what? Uh, where on the? Oh, I see. Yeah, it's a it's an yeah. Acme uh, logo. Acme, yes, indeed. Okay, Acme soy sauce. Now move to the bottle of the right onto the right. Okay. But just move move right. Don't have to come out. There we just sit. Keep going. This one. Okay. The next one. Next bottle. Right. Okay. Uh, on the label. On the label, stop. Which there one? you go. Top this left. One? Now the left-hand bottle. Now. Oh uh, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah, go see in. the okay. see the number on the label. Uh, I see a five. Yeah, four. There you go. So and, a four. and the, the middle bottle. Similar oh. place. Are you kidding me? Nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. And the next bottle along. Six. At the bottom this time. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, for That's those who were looking for the show number. That previous bottle, though, looked like it had a rude word on it, I thought. That... Yeah, well, I'm not going to <laughs> dwell luck. on that. It says luck. <laughs> yes, oh, luck, okay. Good yeah. luck to you. <laughs> yes, that's right, Liz, luck. luck. It's not what you said. <laughs> I didn't say it, I just implied it. <laughs> yeah, it was just a very strong implication. Yes. Well done, exactly. Captain Nick, as usual. Yes. Oh, well, that was Very a bit nice. of fun. But I think I'm going to have fun with cockpits and toilet seats and yeah. pilots and diapers. Yeah. Unless you come mm, up I'm with sure something. <laughs> I hope you're just talking about the R work and not in well, real yes, life. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, how was your singing, Jeff? Oh, it was just lovely as it always is, Nick. Thank you. Uh, yep. Uh, sang uh, over the weekend, last weekend. And uh, I actually have been singing already, even though it is not yet the weekend of the 9th and 10th, because this week in the Catholic Church uh, is a big feast day today, which is the Immaculate Conception. And you're celebrating Mary. with us. And uh, I'm celebrating with you guys. Yeah. And uh, so what, I sang What do you eat on this big feast day? Uh, whatever you want. Beer. Yeah. You drink, <laughs> drink a lot of beer. Sierra Nevada. Okay, um, you, you feast on beer. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's just a feast day. It's just a um, a way that the Catholic Church um, characterizes these these uh, important days. So you sang um, today, and so I sang today. So I sang at the seven o'clock last night, the twelve o'clock, uh, the noon mass today, then skedaddled out of there and headed over this way and cranked up all the all the gear for today's show. And so it's Friday afternoon as we record, and uh, this weekend's going to be. Full of a lot Even of singing as well. Singing. I'm going to be able to. Honestly, I'm going to sing at one, two, three, four, five, six masses. Uh, wow! On Saturday and Sunday, and I'm going to meet up with my youngest daughter, that's, Natalie. That's masses of masses. It's a mass of masses, is what it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I'm going to meet up with Nat Natalie uh, tomorrow. Oh, that's very important. That's great. Yeah. Well, um, so. Looking forward to that. Cool. Um, uh, yeah. And then. So basically, on... don't expect this to be published anytime soon. 
Yeah, I'm not going to be really going to be able to do much work on on the editing of this until probably Monday. <laughs> so I'll try to get it out by the end of end of the day on Monday, if yeah, possible. Well, I'll do, do my what you best. Can do no big deal. Okay, and uh, let's see the other my my mustache is itching my my lip. Oh. I can't stop. Does that mean it. You, you're going to be rich or something? Is that? I like don't know that what that means. I know, like your ear is itching. That means that somebody's talking about you. I don't know what you know. Mm-hmm. Your if your nose itching itches, you're going to um, kiss a shake fool. hands with a fool. Kiss a fool. Uh, okay, but it's not my nose. It's my right here. Right you got some it's your lunch caught in there or something? No, it's I don't know what's going on. Anyway. Let's not dwell on it. <laughs> Too late. You brought it um, up. I know. I'm the one that brought it up. Sorry. Um, we had so some, on Wednesday, in. I was a guest on a, a podcast uh, from a couple of our longtime APG community members. Uh, main man Micah was uh, is one of the co-hosts of Brian Coleman or Pasadena Brian, as we know him here at the APG. And, you know, it's, I learned something. Uh, anyway, let me try to keep my thoughts straight. Uh, he is the host of the uh, the Journey is the Reward podcast, where he goes through um, accomplishing his uh, lifetime 1K status with United Airlines. Anyway, uh, he accomplished that several months back, and uh, now he um, they're continuing the podcast and talking about all kinds of things related to uh, that world of, um, uh, what do they call that? Uh, those kind of programs, frequent flyer rewards programs, that kind of thing. And, uh, anyway, they asked if I would be a guest on their show. And, and I was telling Liz before we started today's show recording that, uh, usually their show is, I don't know, around the hour mark, I think maybe a little bit more. And, uh, they had me on. So I, I APG'd their show and uh, I'm Upsized. pretty sure it was at least three <laughs> three hours long. Uh, and and I, I, oh, I was continuing to talk actually for about another hour, and I didn't even realize that they ended the off. Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, I was I was still talking, and uh, they were gone. Um, they they finally said, oh, "That's enough." Uh, no, just kidding. Anyway, I had a great uh, great time with them on the show. The journey is the reward, which should be coming out uh, sometime um, early next year. And because it's going to take extra long for him to edit mm-hmm. all that. <laughs> going to have to hire some extra um, help there. Yeah. And you know, it's basically just me talking about, uh, he had all kinds of questions for me and about my career and, and uh, getting started. In pod- oh, I was going to say, I learned, Micah I didn't, has, maybe tells I knew what the this. Time was. I'm sorry, what? Micah. Okay, well, I'm, I don't have that window up, so okay. uh, help well, me out. He says it was a four-hour show, basically. Okay, start at 145 <laughs> and close Zoom at 545. Yeah, but that's not the complete. I mean, really, was I <laughs> Don't talking try for and make four excuses, hours? Jeff. Yeah, I probably was. I, I told them it was their fault for uh, inviting me on because I could just talk for pretty much ever, forever. Yeah. Um, so uh, where was I going? Oh, so I, I knew that main man Micah is a long time listener. He started listening back when it was the Catholic Pilot show, and uh, so did. Pasadena, Brian. I think he said he started with the Catholic Pilot episode six. Cool. So those guys have been longtime uh, listeners of the aviation podcast that uh, I've been doing since 2009. So anyway, that was kind of cool. Had a great time. Uh, great friends. And 
Yeah. And we got That's a picture to show here that got Yeah, so it. what's this picture that we're going to show here, Liz? This is our uh, friend One of Stephen. our listeners and uh, one of our APG community members uh, visited some kind of a professional football um, star in Brazil. He's in Buenos Aires. No, no, he's Arge- in Argentina. Argentina. He's in oh, Argentina. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was yeah. a major faux the guys we fought a war against. Don't forget, Jeff. Oh, that's right. In the Falklands? Yeah. Or are you talking about the Germans? <laughs> well, actually, both of them. Both. <laughs> Look at that. What a team. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, and, 2-0 uh, is all I can say. But I don't know. The guy that's holding up the uh, trophy. Lionel Messi. Uh, looks looks a little stiff to me. I don't know. He it doesn't well, really it's a bit quite... hard to tell. The balcony get, hides his him from the waist down. Oh, so. that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about Messi. We care about Stefan's hat. Yes, I know. Let's Stephen's look at hat. yeah. That's we don't care about Messi. Uh, we we care about yeah uh, Stefan and uh, the most important thing. Yeah, forget about that stupid trophy. Yeah. Look at what Stefan is holding. <laughs> He's holding up an uh, airline pilot guy logoed an Acme hat. So thank you for that. He says he's trying to nice spread one, the word Stephanie. throughout South America. Yes, he's trying to promote our podcast in South America. Good luck. Yep. Um, yeah. Thanks, Stefan. I appreciate it. Thank you, Stefan, for yeah, sending that good in. Job. That was awesome. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. That's it for me. Coffee fund. Um, coffee fund time? All right. Yeah. Let me play this button thing here. Okay. Jeff Smith, Jingle Master. Johnny, how much more coffee? No, thanks. I love coffee, I love tea, I love the APG community, coffee and tea, and the Java and me, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, oh yeah, it's a coffee fund, that's the way, uh, that way, that's your way to contribute to the show with monetary currency, <laughs> or whatever. Cash. That's kind of uh, yeah. Just send your cash, um, and a couple of different ways for you to do that. And uh, one is the coffee fund classic method. And here we go, coffee fund classic. Since the last show, he comes in again with a nice, generous contribution, Doctor Kareem Mazutz Kareem. Thank you very much, sir. We do appreciate that. And the other way that you can become part of this crazy coffee bar club is to join Patreon. You can become a patron of the show. And since the last show, we have a new producer. His name, now we're going to try this, Rick. Rick Kowalczyk. I think it's Kowalczyk. Kowalczyk. You're saying Kowalczyk? Okay, that could be Kowalczyk, Kowalczyk. Um, I don't know. From here on, it's Rick K. Yeah. And he is a new producer. Uh, He's a new patron. Thank you, Rick. I believe he sent us some feedback as well. So we'll be. Uh, hopefully playing your feedback today. So if you're interested in joining this great group of folks, head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. And we will too. I just got to step away for a sec. I'll be right back. Okay. Liz is stepping away, but don't tell anybody. So while she's stepping away, I'm going to play this feedback bumper. Captain. Incoming message. Uh, all right. So we're going to start off with this from Robert Tucker, um, who um, we like to call 
No, I just did that. I didn't mean to. His name is Robert. He lives in Tucker, Georgia. He used to live in Mayretta near the Big Chicken. Anyway, he said, um, gospel singer performs. From Tucker. I'm back. Who took a young lady. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, dear. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not going there. Okay. Okay. Robert in Tucker, Georgia says, too bad Captain Jeff wasn't on board. Y'all could have done a duet. Uh, No, this is not really my style of music, but thanks for thinking about me, Robert. So he's referring to this YouTube video uh, that um, involves a a gospel singer on a Delta flight. Oh, yes, I have seen this video. Yeah. Her name is uh, Bobby Storm. I'm sure that's her real name. Bobby Storm. Who uh, claims to have been nominated for two Grammy Awards. And the reason why it says claims is that, well, the group that she sang with was nominated for two Grammys, but, uh, but she wasn't, you know, individually. Uh, so, I mean, not to take anything away from her. I'm sure she's a beautiful singer. Uh, but she was, um, let's see, this is from One Mile at a Time. Um, and the writer of this says, I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous. An apparently well-known gospel singer started performing on a Delta flight, and when she got called out by the crew, she kept being argumentative and blamed it on God. <laughs> well, who else could you blame it on, right? Well, um, if you're a gospel singer, that's, that's it. That's the ultimate. Yeah, and he goes on saying, uh, you know, talking about Bobby Storm, claims to have been nominated for two Grammy Awards, took her took to her Instagram account to share what happened on a recent Delta flight. Let me emphasize that this video wasn't posted by a third party, but rather she posted it directly because I guess she doesn't actually see how this interaction doesn't make her look great. And uh, I agree with that. So we're going to go ahead and play this for you and see if you agree with um, their, his characterization. Okay. She's in the aisle walking up to the front, apparently to be in, you know, front stage or whatever. And the flight attendant basically says, no, you need to go back to your seat. It's right here, babe. I am. Okay, so her seatmate is fitting this whole thing. So I used to sing on planes a long time ago. I just found out I'm up for two Grammys. My very first time, you guys. Oh, yeah. My name is Bobby Storm. Bobby Storm. I'm up for two Grammys. I sing for the Lord, and my song is out on all platforms. It's called We Can't Forget Them. Michael McDonald cleared it. Warren G is on the original record as well. Name dropping. It's with regulators. I want to share this with you guys. I wanted to do it when I first got on the plane, but I was like, you know, I, I haven't done this in a while. I've gotten to the next status, so. Are you able to be quiet? But they're enjoying <laughs> it. So while we're sitting here, can I please? I'm not enjoying it. So I'm asking you, can you be quiet? Okay, well, I'll that's, yes, that that's a yes or no uh, answer, please. Am I going to go to jail if I don't? Can you please answer my question? Are you willing and able to be quiet right now? I'm doing what the Lord is telling me to do. I'm asking you a question, yes or no. I'm your flight leader. I need you to follow my instruction. Okay. My instruction for you to answer my question. Are you able to be quiet What right do you now? guys think? I'm asking you, ma'am. I'm asking you guys. What do you guys okay. think? Okay. If you're not able to, be, to follow my instruction, yeah. you will not be taking this flight. Ah, okay. Are so you able to be asking. quiet? If that's the case, then that's fine. If you were the so person that's yes. in charge of it, I'm your flight leader, yes. 
if you're the person in charge okay. of it all, then that's okay. fine. All right. Thank all right. you. I'm not clear if this is so like in flight or they're still on the ground. Well, I'm assuming they're on the ground because. Okay. He walks right. away and she's but gonna. It sounds like they're fine. The, the yeah. She's gonna sing it. Most of the other passengers are just looking straight ahead exactly. not looking at her, going, maybe if we don't look at her, she'll stop singing. embarrassing. It is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for so her. So just so you know, if you're on this flight, you have been thank you so much. You got to clap on the low. I know. <laughs> thank you so much. She's basically so asking them to clap Maverick. for her. Yeah, exactly. City has an album out right Please now. clap for me. They oh, now she's advertising her album. Yes. I'm surprised she doesn't have them there for sale. Yep, we I see some people looking at her now, and they're smiling and shaking their heads. I think it's because, oh, thank God, it's over. she finally stopped it's singing. I can't accept it, but I'm here to spread what God needs me to spread. I'm here to spread that because that's what's gotten me where I am. I quit my job in October of last year. Well, I don't know. Most people are on airplanes to get to another place. So remember this face and chase the storm. She's helping them get there. I don't know. Yes, just as of today, two-time Grammy nominated with Maverick City, the Maverick way. Thank you. Maverick. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank okay. You. So. That was painful. <laughs> that was painful. And, you know, I thought that flight leader, the, the head flight attendant, the purser, did a very nice job. He wasn't rude. He was basically saying, um, you need to sit down and you need to stop talking and singing and i guess I he just boxes finally says a comment pardon me so i hall boxes says a comment oh i hall boxes says so the engine is on fire who's voting yes for an evacuation that's the way he thinks it's <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so uh let's take a vote let's see yeah. who really wants to evacuate the aircraft and who doesn't and uh you know well whatever we come up with that's what we're gonna go with um what else was i going to i think there was something else i was going to read from that article um, oh, she claims uh, that Delta has apologized to her. Uh, with the initial video, she asked her followers to reach out to Delta to express outrage at what happened. In a follow-up video on Instagram, she explained Delta executives reached out to her and apologized, and they're also fans of her. I think he means fans of hers. Uh, she doesn't want this man to be reprimanded uh, where he loses his job, 
I simply want us to keep in mind how we treat each other. And she hopes the flight attendant sees this so he's able to learn a valuable lesson. I thought he was great. She Once said there was no rules being broken. It was just me spreading my joy with people. No, you trying um, to sell your CD and promote right. yourself uh, in front of a bunch of people Captive who had little audience. alternative but to listen to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They had nowhere else to go, right? They were a captive audience for sure. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. That was pretty ridiculous. And the, the thing that's really sad about it, as mentioned in this article, is the fact that she doesn't really seem to understand no. or recognize nope. how ridiculous no she was being. There at all. Yeah. Yeah, this no wasn't an audience who wanted to come and listen to her. This was a bunch of fellow passengers who may or may not have wanted to be serenaded. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much had no choice. All right. Next one's from that guy, Brian Coleman. Oh, yeah, that guy, Brian Coleman, that I mentioned earlier, the uh, host of uh, the journeyistherreward.org. Um, he writes and says, just took off from Tampa and saw an Air Asia plane at the MOC at Tampa, which I believe stands for the Maintenance Operations Center, Sounds I'm good. guessing. Um, and then he's, oh, did I get a ding on that one? Thank you. Uh, he continues, any ideas why AirAsia would fly their jet all the way to Tampa to be serviced? Money, money, money. Passenger, money, uh, money, money, money. Pasadena, Brian. That's the same reason, um, Brian, that uh, Delta sends its um, Boeing 717s and MD-88s and MD-90s to um, a, an airport just to the north of Mexico City in Mexico to have all of its major work done because it doesn't cost so much. So I'm, You flew I sh- down there I'm a couple of times, sir, didn't you, Jeff? Certainly, yeah. I, I did fly to Qu- Cuadrado, I think is the way you pronounce it. QRO is the uh, ICAO identifier. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it just it's cheaper. And the funny thing is that um, Delta does a lot of um, – Excuse me. I guess I, I'm not officially retired yet, so I should say. Uh, Acme um, still <laughs> does a lot of work on uh, airplanes, including um, military airplanes, like uh, VIP transport uh, airplanes from, from the uh, Air Force, like you know, Air Force One, Air Force Two. Not Air Force One. I've never, I've never seen Air Force One being worked on uh, by um, – Acme in Atlanta, but I've seen um, some 757s and and uh, 737s, and I've seen some Navy uh, Poseidons and some others um, being oh. uh, cared for and worked on, uh, maintained at the uh, Atlanta Tech Ops and uh, other airlines as well. Um, and you know, you'd think that they just work on all the of their own fleet, but apparently, you know, they they find it's more cost-effective to send it elsewhere. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand myself, actually. <sighs> anyway, so that's the only way I know how to answer that. It's probably money, as, as Liz is saying. Money, 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 money. Oh, yeah, we used to fly jets all around the world to have their, particularly their big checks, which might take several months. Uh, it's pretty much... Uh, taken that if uh, you know you can get a decent price you'll fly an aircraft off around the world uh, london to singapore we used to get aircraft done there manila was another place uh, we used to do or 
uh, if we were desperate, Dublin. I'm really joking. <laughs> but we did used to send our seven fours to Dublin for a while to get them serviced there. Did Did Virgin have its own maintenance facility at all? Uh, well, we had, yeah, but not for deep, not for C checks, D checks. No. Okay. Uh, we okay. had our own hangar at uh, Gatwick okay. and um, Heathrow. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, why don't we skip the one with the uh, okay. littlest Air Force yep. planes okay. because it'd be nice to have Camacho with us when we sure. talk about great. that. Um, let's see. Let's continue on with uh, this next one, number six, from Brett. And he says, hi, Captain Jeff, Liz, Dr. Steph, Camacho Man, and I know there's another one. I can picture him. Old guy. Ah, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> He's, this is your favorite listener right here, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. Don't worry. I forget my own name as well sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, I thought you might enjoy this flight deck video I stumbled across that captures a go-around in real time. You're able to see and hear their excellent crew communication and anticipation, go-around briefing, and late reminder as the pilots see a dangerous situation unfolding before them on the runway. The pilot creator also adds excellent background information and commentary. And uh, that's from Brett Schuster. And then he, uh, at the very end of it, goes, Nick, his name's Nick. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, way to go, man. Um, finally, he finally remembered. So this is yeah. a quite long um, bum, bum. video. I think it's 18 minutes long. And it's a little noisy, um, and it's but it's it's good uh, videography from the perspective of uh, somebody holding the camera, like right to the right of the captain's head, and looking at the instrument panel and the control yoke and the front windscreen, and you can see the they're flying over water and uh, they're about to land. Where did he say they were going into? I don't remember. No, he didn't say. Anyway. Um, I am going to let you, um, I'll have the link in the show notes for you to take a look at this. And it is, um, it, it is, um, a lesson in, you know, briefing and coordination and situational awareness. Um, not just the captain, but the entire crew, uh, is aware that, um, they're listening to the communications on the radio. They're hearing people cleared onto the runway. They're hearing the previous, Airplane ahead of them, you know, missing the normal uh, turnoff, high-speed turnoff, having to go down to the next one, and they're going, hmm, I don't know how this is going to work, and kind of, you know, formulating, okay, in case we have to go around, this is what we're going to do kind of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a good CRM. It's a good watch. Uh, good watch, yeah. So uh, we'll um, not play because 18 minutes, you know, yeah. the show's already long enough, so – and we'd rather get to more feedback. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Brett, for sending this in. And again, we'll have it in the show notes. So check it out. It is, uh, the video is entitled Boeing 737 Manual Go Around in, uh, oh, Antalya. And in, 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 Antala? Antalya? Antalya. Turkey. Antalya? Okay. Turkey. Uh, Turkey. Uh, pilot eye cockpit camera. Okay. Um, continuing with this next one. Okay. 
So this is sent in, well, they didn't want us to say, anonymous. And I really don't know who it was that sent this to us. I do. And, oh, you do. Liz knows. Um, so do I. And it starts off by, uh, you do too? Hey, why yep. am I the only one that doesn't know? Because uh, you're the one who's going to blurt it out by mistake. <laughs> yeah, I, I would probably. Yeah. <laughs> I would never do anything like that. <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> See, these people are here to take care of me, folks. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, keep me out of trouble, and they're usually successful. All right. It starts off by saying, crazy times. Congratulations to Captain Blank, the very first forced new hire captain at United Airlines. Yes, she's a new hire. Awarded 737 captain, even though she didn't want it. She does not immediately go to the left seat. She will fly and be paid as a 737 FO for six months. At that point, if not enough pilots senior to her have taken the bid, she is paid as a captain, but flies as an FO for an additional six months. Uh, Then at the one-year mark, she goes to captain training. Now, I did reach out to somebody that I know who um, flies for a major U.S. airline. um, That's not based in Atlanta. That's not based in Atlanta. uh, That is very uh, similar to this airline. It's the same airline. And um, they, and I said, is this, I don't know, you know, if this is true or not. Um, And he basically, said, yeah, that's mostly the case, although he said his take is that um, if she really does not want to fly as a captain uh, you know, at the year point, or whatever, that she will not be forced to. And maybe that's why the anonymous person put in forced in parentheses that, uh, I mean, not parentheses, in, uh, in quotes, uh, that, um, you know, maybe she really won't be forced. But uh, it's an interesting situation there as far as i mean i don't quite understand is this just one captain that's been singled out or is this all the new hire captains at the moment i think it's all the new and they're not new hire captains they're just new hire pilots all right new Um, hire pilots ticket direct entry captains we'd call them yeah exactly well you know it's not unusual that there are airlines around the world where pilots are hired in to start off as a captain, which is not a normal thing at all here in the U.S. Um, but I guess now I, I've heard a couple of cases now where people are being hired strictly as, you know, starting off as a captain for the company. I can't remember exactly which carrier it was. I don't think it was on any of the majors here in the U.S., but uh, because their system of seniority and normal flow through a career at one of these bigger major airlines is still mainly intact. But this is the first time I've heard a company like United uh, doing something like this. Um, Anyway, um, the the person I was speaking with said that uh, new hires can bid captain and uh, the company can junior man the positions to those that are qualified. Uh, if they have a thousand hours or part 121 experience and they can get out of it if future bids result in someone bidding that unwanted position, but that hasn't been explained well enough to understand how that would be executed. So it sounds like something new, something weird going on. Um, kind of crazy. And as the anonymous person said, crazy times it is. 
you know, you'll remember uh, last year, I think, or maybe a couple of years ago, um, there was a um, pilot at Acme that bid for uh, or our sister airline, Delta, um, that bid for captain on something in New York, I believe. And they were only at the they were new hires. They were at the maybe five or six month point with the company and they were, they, they were awarded the captain's bid and that kind of threw everybody off. Like, Whoa, we didn't ever anticipate like this would could possibly happen ever. So they didn't really have any rules or anything to prevent this sort of thing from happening. And, uh, but they, uh, I've been told that they, they really carefully monitored and watched, um, the, the progress of, of these people that were very junior. And I think we also mentioned when we talked about it earlier that you have to recall that when you were talking about major U.S. airlines or major international airlines, people that are hired by them aren't just starting to fly airplanes. It's not like they, you know, don't have many hours in their logbooks. They have, they have a lot of experience. They've pr- probably been flying for a, several years and probably have a lot of hours in their logbook, um, you know, so it's, it's not, and, and many of those are, um, pr- probably have been captains at like regional airlines and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of experience out there. Um, it, but they may be new with one of the major carriers. Uh, I haul boxes, uh, in our live audience says it's cheaper for an airline to bypass seniority. Probably so. I mean, it's all about, you know, making most efficient use of their money, I guess. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Nick? I mean, is this, this is not so unusual for a lot of the European and uh, UK airlines, is it? Uh, the smaller ones. Uh, it's pretty, yeah. it would be unusual for an, a, a large established airline because they usually have the resources and the pilots in waiting who are just gagging for a chance to get into the left-hand seat. And um, uh, they've got the experience, they've got the hours, they've got everything they need uh, to do that. Now, when if they were to run out of those experienced first officers and uh, be left with um, a gap before they can promote anyone, they've got to fill that gap somehow. The only real way to do it is to bring in uh, a pilot from outside with the required experience. And when that happens, it, it's, it creates a bit of a furor. Um, but if they want to maintain their standards and not drop the uh, re- usually an hour's requirement uh, before you can bid for a captain's slot, uh, and they don't want to dilute the captain's um experience levels by doing that then they will take on uh, a new hired pilot with the sufficient experience of hours uh, to fill those slots and then once they those first officers that have gained enough experience that become available then obviously they're going to uh, promote them instead so it's usually a stopgap maneuver but it does make a bit of a a bad smell usually (laughs) that's one way to put it yeah, and I feel yep. sometimes I feel a bit sorry for the new hire that's mm-hmm. brought in to take this position uh, because they're under the microscope. They've already said they're going to keep a really close eye on them. That might, can't be very nice. Everyone finds out about them. 
they you know often find it hard to integrate with the rest of the workforce because they've got this albatross hanging around their necks um so you know it, it is it can be a, an unpleasant environment to get pushed into um so i i can understand it there's resentment on both sides yeah for sure and i can also understand somebody who has been just hitting it for many many years probably flying horrible schedules working their way up up through the uh, regionals here and and not making a heck of a lot of money uh, with the promise that one of these days you're going to be in the promised land and you're going to be just making more money than you know what to do with um and that's never true, actually. Um, but oh. uh, just kind of giving them incentives for like captain's pay in just, you know, a few months of being with United Airlines. And uh, even at that 12-year, I mean, one-year pay scale for a captain on a whatever, 737, is uh, probably more money than they've ever seen before doing this for a living. And so it's easy to see. I mean, these are young people, probably with young families, maybe, and, you know, lots of expenses. And, uh, you know, that could be a very alluring thing. And I think companies know that in general pilots can, you know, they, they can be persuaded to do things that maybe they wouldn't be necessarily comfortable doing completely. Uh, but, you know, you throw a lot of money at them to do it, and they probably do it. So, yeah, quite understand that. But if you've set a requirement, and let's assume it's, it's an hours requirement, and you haven't reached that, um, it doesn't mean to say that bringing someone in to fill a slot is going to delay your promotion. Because it's not like there was only one slot and now you've got to wait another five years to get one. There are going to be lots of captain's slots coming up. You've just got to wait your time. And when you, as soon as you get the hours, You'll get the uh, you'll get the chance to go forward and do your course. So it won't have. I don't think it will, generally speaking, have delayed their promotion. It's just someone's gone ahead of me in the queue. It's like anyone who doesn't like queue jumpers. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Don't go to France. They all jump queues. They're, they're dreadful. <laughs> Okay, we've insulted okay. the Irish and now the French. <laughs> uh, Captain Nick offends me at airlinepilotguy.com. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. That'll bounce. But, you know, it's, it'll be fun just to just to scroll it out, just get it out of your system and send it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's right. Um, good therapy. Yeah, good therapy, self-therapy. Uh, the next one is from Sean, and he says, uh, bad parenting or – bucket list accomplishment. <laughs> okay. And he says, is this a lack of parenting or a kid being able to live out his dreams? I'm an adult and this still looks like it would be fun. Okay. So what is, what is Sean talking about? Let's uh, play this video Great and video. Uh, follow. Uh, turn down the volume. No, no, no need to have it that loud. Got okay, a little kid on uh, one of those airline uh, bag uh, conveyor belt systems. Uh, oh, he's being swallowed into the depths of the airport. Yes. It looks like oh my so God. far he's having to. This is my favorite part. Wham! Wham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa. He's going to have a rate of knots now, <laughs> isn't guys, he? guys, they're panicking. Yeah, these guys that are working back there with hard hats on and and uh, they're going, okay. Safety uh, equipment and 
what are we going to do here? Uh, let's uh, stop the system and and grab the kid. And sure enough, the, the kid is grabbed. Uh, he's safely rescued from his his fun. Uh, the kid looked like he was having fun. He's having know. a good time. Yeah. Maybe you know we oh, can't yeah, hear him crying. Oh yeah, this is like Disney. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a cute video. You should uh, our our description of it. Uh, you know, is 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 not giving it. You know, any. Uh, not we're not it's doing any favors for you. Kudos. Uh, yeah. So you should actually watch it yourself. And uh, see what we were looking at there, but it was uh, very cute. Yeah, you you do wonder who was keeping an eye on him when he first got onto the yeah, conveyor really. by you the know, check-in. Sometimes there. it only it takes a couple stuff. seconds of looking oh, around and somebody asking you a question, and then all of a sudden, you go, okay, where did uh, where did little Johnny go? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks, John. Uh, Number eleven. Eleven. Okay, we're going to jump to eleven from AJ. AJ Shram. Or Alpha Juliet, as he likes to call himself. Um, timely Shram feedback. Scram, Alpha Juliet. <laughs> or Scram, maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Indeed. Hello, most esteemed crew of the guy who formerly pilots airliners. <laughs> he put in question or in uh, uh, a question mark there. Um, I have recently become a landowner in glorious Scotland in the interests of helping reforestation or some such good cause and therefore and henceforth may be referred to as Lord Alpha Juliet. <laughs> Lord Alpha Juliet. Here. Okay, that's, so we're starting over. Lord Alpha Juliet here with some timely feedback. More on that in a moment. First and foremost, I would like to congratulate the crew on their varied and impressive achievements, including but not limited to Captain Jeff retiring from a fantastic career. Captain Nick, he did as well, uh, on the many badges earned for his bowls, and especially Liz for not running for the hills, dealing with this amazing crew of misfits. Yay, Liz. Thank you for not running yeah. toward the hills. The hills, yes. Um, love the show. Can't wait to hear about all the travels to be had with Captain Jeff's newfound freedom. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that as well and sharing it with all of you. But I digress. Back to the purpose of my missive. On a recent episode, Captain Jeff's, Captains Jeff and Nick discussed the two-hour loop of the cockpit voice recorder, the CBR, used in the USA. In my internet travels, I came across this article and thought you might find it interesting. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. And it's from Reuters.com. Um, and uh, the title of it is, The U.S. FAA Wants New Planes to Capture More Cockpit Data to Boost Safety Probes. They've been yeah. listening to the show. Pardon me? Yeah. They've been listening must have to been the, listening oh, that's to right. the show. Yeah, they they got the idea from us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they, they probably had never thought of it. Uh, until they heard us better. Never. I like the the way you guys think. Okay. The uh, Federal Aviation Administration on Thursday said it is proposed. This is November 30th. uh, Proposing to extend the cockpit voice recording requirement to 25 hours for all new airplanes from the current two-hour loop. The NTSB has been pushing for the change since 2018, and the United States is behind much of the world in the requirement for commercial planes. The voice recorder captures transmissions and sounds in the cockpit, including the pilot's voices and engine noises, and can be crucial in understanding why airplane crashes occur. Europe has required new airplanes to collect 25 hours of cockpit voice recordings since 2021. 
FAA Administrator Mike Whitaker said the change will give us substantially more data to identify the cause of accidents or incidents. In 2016, the International Civil Aval. <laughs> The International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO, adopted a new standard calling for the installation of recorders capable of recording the last 25 hours on all new aircraft starting in 2021. The issue has taken on new urgency after a series of near-miss incidents raised alarm about U.S. air safety. The NTSB has opened seven investigations into near-miss incidents since January, including some that could have been catastrophic. After one runway incident, the NTSB said the cockpit voice recordings in both planes were overwritten and not recovered because the devices record only two hours. Uh, NTSB Chair Jennifer Homendy praised the FAA announcement on Thursday, and she said more data will not only help identify causes, but better enable operators to address any safety deficiencies. Uh, the NTSB has also called for the FAA to mandate retrofitting retrofitting existing airplanes with the new voice recorders, but the agency did not agree, saying the costs would be significant at $741 million versus the $196 what, per million. Aeroplane? <laughs> uh, yes. These are very, very wow, sensitive devices. Yeah, that's, that's There's a impressive. lot of pork there. Yeah. Hey, Nick, we need to get in this business. Can we start yeah, uh, manufacturing we can make a, cockpit make a few voice dollars. recorders? You're into audio, yeah. Jeff. You can get into that. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the FAA will take comments until early February and would make the requirement effective one year after the final regulations adoption. Uh, and just adds a little comment here. When cockpit voice recorders were first implemented in 1966, they could only record 30 minutes. Yeah, I think most of the ones nowadays, uh, other than the ones, um, you know, that are uh, doing the 25-hour thing, uh, are two hours, I believe that's the standard. Yeah. I'm trying to do the math. Uh, 67 years ago, they did 30 minutes. Now they only do two hours. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not a great improvement. No, but at least they're they're making some progress. Yeah, it's... Been yeah, long, indeed. I mean, I, you know, I, I just think that overdue. cost is, yeah, I think it's overdue, most certainly. Uh, after all, you know, we're, we're great believers in driving for safety, and this is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is unbelievably uh, important when it comes to working out why things have gone wrong. And the whole point of having our industry being one that self-reports uh, in our just culture that we're all supposed to be here. And we shouldn't be concerned about people listening into what happens on the flight deck. Uh, you know, those days of, uh, of worry that some manager is going to listen to every you know, conversation that happens on the flight deck just in case you criticize the management of the company or something, and then they're going to fire you. That's patently ridiculous. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm a great believer in not only having uh, long recordings, but also having video on the flight deck. It would be uh, really important because it's a hard job trying to work out what uh, lever has been moved on the flight deck in error. Uh, yeah. from just the noise it makes in comparison with uh, a video recording of where people's hands are, uh, you know, instead. I, I really don't understand the resistance. Yeah, I don't but either. Resistance is futile. 
Yeah, but now that I'm no longer <laughs> You're actually retired. doing this for a living, I'm all for the voice. I mean, the video recorders. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, more video recordings. Yes, video everything. Yeah, I mean, in people fact, are I think, actually doing it themselves, aren't they? So, I think they should have what these Apple watches or whatever brand that actually connect directly into your skin and like sample right. alcohol levels Heart rate and, and all mush, that stuff. mushroom Indeed, levels yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, and what your mood mushroom is levels. and everything. <laughs> It'll be sent directly. But that was yes. great, t- great feedback from AJ. Early. Thanks for sending. Yeah, that in. was great feedback, AJ. We really yeah. appreciate you as uh, part of our community and uh, part of the uh, others as well that we're not going to mention. Yeah, he wants to be a lord. Is that all? You could, you could do a lot better than Lord Alpha Julia. You know, if you think like what you what could would be, be at least like a princess. <laughs> No, princess. princess. That would be Princess Alpha well, Juliet. I think. Would well, be he is a suitable. he is a very attractive man. I've met him, and uh, <laughs> but I don't know if I'd go as far as princess. Dame, Dame Alpha move, Juliet. Move Maybe along, Dame. Guys. Move along. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's move on, shall we? Um, thank you, AJ. Um, this Rick is well. from our new coffee bar club member, Rick new K. Ooh. <laughs> and he says. Um, Captain Jeff. So, December, official retirement month. Yes. First of all, happy birthday. Congrats on your retirement. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Rick. I was talking to Captain George Nolly of the Ready for Takeoff podcast, of course, at Recurrent a few months ago. He mentioned that he did an episode with you and one with Captain Nick. Yeah, but the one with Captain Nick, I think he ended up... uh, Erasing and yeah, from yeah, any, you're uh, saying I'm evidence. never doing this again. I'm giving this podcast <laughs> recorded over up. the top of it like a voice recorder. No, I think that he probably enjoyed that one much more than than the one he did with me because I, I think, think he has probably not. a lot more co- in common with uh, Captain Nick than he has with me. Um, anyway, um, I recently listened to them and they were both great, but that got oh, me thinking. Okay. Captain Nick should interview you for an episode of Plain Tales. Well, say, Rick, oh, I don't God, know if, uh, if you're new. <laughs> if you're, well, <laughs> yeah, not, not that only, desperate. <laughs> not only that desperate, but uh, apparently you don't understand that uh, Captain Nick's Plain Tales are usually about 20 minutes long at the most. And yeah, if no, he interviewed me, for a Plain Tales. Yeah, it would be it would be a multi-part Plain Tale. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to have to endure that. There are a couple just of uh, places. Just tell him to go and listen. Just tell him to go and listen to those other podcasts. Yeah, there are a couple of podcasts that I've been on as a as a, a, a guest, a, the Brazilian podcast, and the yeah. one I just recorded with uh, Brian and uh, Micah. Uh, that that you can kind of get your fill of, of yeah, me. Nick just and Jeff yakking. don't want to spend that much time together. Yeah, you don't. Uh, Nick Nick just doesn't. Well, have I would the time actually and, quite in, enjoy it because I could delve into those bits that Jeff has yet to reveal. Oh, well, you know what would be fun. Honestly, I, when I was reading this, corners. Rick, when I was reading Rick's feedback, I'm thinking, you know, it would be a lot of fun for just the two of us to just just start, you know, drinking some beer and recording and just talking mm. about. And because I think that we that could both learn a lot about our own individual experiences and careers uh, in flying, uh, having one of these things. It might be a several hour thing, but we could maybe put that out as a like a, a something separate from the, I think that would be a lovely idea. I love it. Yes, I, think I, that's I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have a, that's I'd a, have great, a great time. Jeff. Yeah. I bet you yep. singing we'll would happen, body songs. Yeah, we got to start singing. Although, yeah, I'm not sure. We'd have to probably put an explicit rating on the thing if, <laughs> yes. if Nick was singing. Can you believe already? The things that he <laughs> move on to a few rugby songs. 
<laughs> anyway, um, in, oh, he even says it. In fact, maybe you both interview each other looking back at your airline careers. No wonder. I, I was wondering how I came up with that no, idea. That, that's that was a from good Rick. idea. Yeah. <laughs> you stole it. Yeah. Uh, so I think it would be a great addition to Captain Nick's Plane Tales. Yeah. I think. Super. Yeah. We'll do that. Separate from Nick's Plane Tales, though. I mean, you know, those are nice and compact. Oh, no, no, no. It'll save me having to write anything. <laughs> okay. Anyway, keep up the great work on the podcast. You have a great crew with you there. I know. And I am sure Liz keeps all of you in line. Well, she certainly does well, try, she Rick. She tries. Yeah, I can only try. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as evidenced by our shows, obviously she doesn't always succeed. No. Right. All right. Luckily, we've got a volume switch. We could just turn it down. Exactly. Yeah. Or just quit Unity, which is our comm software. But we wouldn't want to do that because we'd be lost without her. Yeah. All right. Number 14. Then you start getting Number the hate 14. mail. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, they like Liz better than they like us, Nick. You know that. Indeed. They love Steph if she'd ever be back. Yeah, Steph. Yeah, she's the favorite, She's the course. numero uno. Uh, anyway. So, let's see. APG 595 feedback. Good speed at JFK. Okay, that was the... Incident going into Kennedy's 20 left, 20 right in the American Heavy and the PC-12 Goodspeed. Uh, he writes, uh, the PC-12 was operating VFR. You can hear it at the beginning. It's possible they never loaded the localizer and were going to visually acquire the runway and track to it. It raises the question, can you even tell a VFR arrival to join part of an instrument approach? I think you can, or you I don't know. Um, uh, what's a localizer? He put <laughs> in quotes. Uh, I fly a PC-12 in that airspace for a different company and go into JFK about once a month. Because the PC-12 is slower than airliners, we present a challenge to sequencing, especially on final. It's not uncommon at all to be given a last-minute runway change to the adjacent parallel runway. I've had that happen at Boston and JFK. This is from... Uh, Captain Sandy. Oh, okay. Well, he, I guess he goes by Captain Sandy in the timely turboprop. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm still not really sure. Although I think many of us assumed that the PC 12 was doing something in error. And it could have been that maybe they were just taking their time, you know, making that transition to the, to, to the right side, to 20 right. Um, because there's no evidence based on the, data that i've seen that the pc12 ever left 2500 feet that you know they were they were level at 2500 feet the, the whole time they didn't had not started their descent but i also understand the concern that the the american heavy jet had watching them especially if this was at night i think we determined it was at night and just seeing a couple of little lights or whatever and and you know wondering well they're right above us or you know is how's this going to work you know um so I don't I don't know if it's fair for us to say definitively that the PC twelve guys were the ones that messed things up, or um, maybe it was just out of an abundance of caution by the uh, American pilots to kind of do a little little well, job. Certainly, the American the guys room. seemed very concerned uh, about it, uh, and uh, I think uh, if if you're operating 
a lot in the US, you're going to come across these situations much more than those of us that visited the country even now and again. So I can understand if it had been a European crew, they probably would have been freaked out by it. But the fact that yeah. the US, an experienced US crew, uh, were really concerned makes me think, well, it's probably they probably had a right to feel um, very uncomfortable with that particular approach. Yeah, but they were so, long-haul right guys, now. Nick, and those guys, I mean, <laughs> they hardly ever yeah. fly. Ultra-cautious, yeah. They're really they're old. They're real wimps. <laughs> yeah, and old they, wimps. I mean, they can't yeah. really see... <laughs> oh, that's probably true. Actually, they got you know great big thick Although, glasses. Yeah, you would think that if they couldn't see very well, they probably wouldn't have noticed that PC twelve there. So I take that back. Uh, well, that was the probably the young first officer going, "No, look, it's there!" <laughs> <laughs> and the old captain's going, "Where? Where? Huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah? What'd you say, Sally?" <laughs> <laughs> with this little the, the horn thing that you stick yes, in your ear. Oh yeah, horn. that's right. Yeah. Speak <laughs> up, Sonny. <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't see anything. Can't hear anything. Haven't felt anything for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's long haul through. I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so we've guys, had enough fun with that. You've got about ten minutes left. Do you okay. want to do fifteen and sixteen and end it up um, there? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, we can do that. Okay, uh, let's uh, take a look at this one, Nick, uh, from Merle. Uh, and he entitled his feedback, Inverted Wings. And uh, his feedback starts out with a quote from the article. John Edwards has hit the pause button on his career as a professional race car driver. The 2008 star Mazda champion and 2009 Atlantic championship title winner will trade a lifetime of using cockpits and inverted wings to race on the ground to soaring with bigger cockpits and relying on larger wings, which are in the right upright position, I guess, used for flight. And uh, this article is from racer.com. Um, let's see. John Edwards uh, is a 32-year-old Kentucky native He's stepping away from a successful career in open wheel and sports car racing where the last decade has uh, been spent in the employ of BMW to forge a new life as an airline pilot. He says, it's an interesting time in my life. I've raced my whole life since I was eight years old, started in go-karts, and it was just father-son bonding at the beginning. I never dreamed that it would evolve into what it was. But as you get through life, you start to look at what's next and what does the future hold. I think every driver in the back of our minds, we wonder what we're going to do post-driving because unless you're making Formula One salaries of tens of millions of dollars, we're going to uh, have to still work after we're done driving. Uh, since the first year of my BMW career, I found a passion for flying and it really paid off because I was able to use my travel budget to get my time by flying myself to all the races in a little prop plane. I got about 1,300, 1,400 hours by October or, or November of last year. And as I started to plan my future, I had a contract through, through this year with BMW. And as you get through that, you start talking about what's next. So I had to think about that and reckon with myself on what I wanted from my driving career and whether it was time to make the step. And uh, so basically he is uh, pursuing a, an airline pilot career. So he probably by now has all the 1,500 hours required to get an ATP, Airline Transport Pilot Certificate. 
And it also goes on to talk about the fact that um, I don't know if he's actually leaving uh, driving uh, completely. Um, I think that he's maybe just putting it off to the side for now and pausing that part of his his career. Uh, but I have a feeling that he's going to, even while uh, flying in the airlines, if, if, if he achieves that, achieves that goal, that he will probably still be in some way involved in racing. And uh, in fact, his BMW M motorsport boss, uh, Andreas Ruse, uh, paid tribute to him and said that I think that, um, you know, he's going to be keeping, staying in touch with me, uh, you know, in the, in the near future here. So interesting um, transition though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I think this is an, a, a really useful way for someone to have, um, use their current employment to aim themselves at a future career. I think it's very clever of this guy and, uh, I think he's going to make a great success of it, but, uh, by acquiring an aircraft, uh, or at least, uh, Acquiring the license to be able to fly an aircraft between races, he's done what a lot of people have to do, you know, in a very difficult way, you know, whether it be, you know, dumping um, parachutists out the back or flying banners around or doing survey work. He's been able to combine it with his current employment, which I think is very clever. So I, I, I like this guy. I think he's really smart. And um, no doubt about it, his skill as a racing driver, you know, tells of fantastic hand-eye coordination. And I've no doubt that, that he's a, a very capable uh, pilot. And so long as he's got the right attitude towards uh, his new employment, which I'm sure he will realize that there's a significant difference in the way he will conduct himself in a flight tag. <laughs> he was uh, uh, driving a car around. Um, having said that, in future years, if you suddenly see a 737 go barreling through in front of you on finals uh, to take the number one slot, uh, I think you'll probably know who the pilot you should work for yeah. Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Southwest um, will be snapping will be him up, I've yeah. no doubt. Well, you know what? This just proves to me what I've always long um, suspected, that all of these race car drivers really want to be airline pilots. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to be an airline Doesn't, pilot. I mean, Actually, uh, I've, I've known of several uh, guys in our company who were associated with uh, motorsport. Um, one of which was uh, a driver at uh, Goodwood and used to uh, teach uh, motor racing there. And he had a lot of experience in uh, racing. And uh, another guy who f used to f drive the uh, uh, Monte Carlo rally in a great big five-liter, ten-liter, whatever his Bentley uh, open open driving position one of those where there's great big bonnets you know 1920s arab cars uh so uh yeah a lot of guys uh, came from or, and kept up that hobby uh, while they were airline pilots well, you know you could afford it then i guess what did you say the uh, place was goodwood yeah you know everybody goodwood. is always looking for goodwood oh indeed and particularly at our age okay. jeff <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, and last but uh, let's not least. end this with some audio feedback from our friend Paul. Uh, Paul, you're a sec. You're a check. I'm sorry, Paul. Uh, and uh, let's see. He uh, let's see what he has to say. 
Hello, APG crew and community. This is Paul from between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I was curious about what's easier for you guys. Is it easier to send in a sound file or do SpeakPipe when you try to put these into the, the feedback into the show? And the other question I have is if somebody's retiring on a flight, do you make an announcement? I don't think I've ever heard of an announcement for a first officer or a flight attendant or purser or anybody like that. Typically, I hear retirements for the captain. And the other thing I'm wondering about is should you make an announcement? Because upon landing, it's possible there could be a cannon salute or there could be a line of emergency vehicles with their outboard lights on and the passengers probably could be wondering, hey, what's going on? So is it normal to even make an announcement if there's anybody on a flight crew that is retiring? Just curious, this came up on Squawk Ident. So, hey. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Um, he's referring to the uh, a couple of episodes ago, Squawk Ident episode 139. Had a guy on uh, after 38 years of uh, flying for, I believe, American. Um, and uh, so I talk a little bit about airline retirement and such. And um, anyway, good episode. You should check it out. I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes for that. Um, so the first thing he asked was the, um, the kind of a, a kind of a, a administrative kind of question as far as audio feedback. Do we prefer speak pipe or, you know, um, some other method of audio feedback? And honestly, um, I think it's whatever is easier for mm-hmm. y'all, you know, it yeah. doesn't make much difference at all for, for us here, Liz and myself, yeah. as far as getting yeah. stuff prepped whatever. for the show. So yeah, that um, either is fine. Yeah, I f- I think reel to reel is the best. So reel to reel. Got one of those old tape recorders. That's perfect. Do Just the mail reel the whole reel. reel in. Yeah, it, yeah, it does mail the the tape. <laughs> mail the, it does really. I mean, there's a lot of nuance that uh, the reel to reel would would it really catch. makes a oh, difference. It would. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, we yeah, don't want little cassettes. Really they're they're does. really annoying. Cassettes, yeah. Eight track stereo, yeah. yeah, that works. Eight track? I don't know. I don't. I don't have an eight track player anymore, Nick. Um, oh, that might be Jeff. a little bit difficult. I know. Sorry. Uh, let's see. What was the other question? Oh, um, retirement. retirement. Um, yeah. So, I think that if a, I'm gonna. It's, okay, let's say hypothetically, it's me. I learn that one of my flight attendants is retiring, and this is going to be their last flight. For darn sure, you're going to hear an announcement about that. Um, and although it's not as common as captains retiring from careers, there are cases, um, not completely rare, uh, but less common, I guess, for first officers uh, to kind of maintain that first officer position for their entire career. Uh, they may have come to the airline career a little bit later in their life and decided they preferred the seniority over the uh, you know, being a captain and maybe a little bit higher pay. Um, and so they retire as first officers. And again, you can be darn sure that, uh, if, if the captain is aware that this is that 
uh, first officer's last flight, that there will be an announcement made. You make a good point about if there is going to be a water cannon salute or uh, emergency vehicles with their lights on. A real cannon salute is perfect. A real cannon salute is yeah, definitely something you want to warn. The- yeah, that would be awesome. I have not seen that actually uh, in my entire Sounds like a good flying. idea, though. I mean, they do it in the Navy, do. don't they? They have a 21-gun salute when they come into port. Well, I'm not sure they do it anymore because they've lost so many airplanes um, <laughs> in the past with, you know, mis-aiming, uh, that oh, kind of thing. Shut them off the carrier. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, and the, so, I mean, I even, and again, I'm speaking for myself, but if I learn that somebody on my crew is celebrating a birthday, and sometimes even if they're not, um, I'll get on and make a big <laughs> deal of it and, and even sing happy birthday to them on so the So you PA. want to embarrass I mean, them, Brace. You know me. I mean, I'm just going to do what I can to embarrass these people as right. much as possible. And I'm, you know, obviously just witnessing what you're hearing from me, I, I'm not really in, that embarrassed at all by what I say. So, you know, it's not <laughs> well, a big yeah, deal. Yeah, I must admit, I, I, I have heard the, uh, a few engagement announcements between one of the senior cabin crew and one of the pilots when they such a relationship doesn't exist <laughs> oh, really <laughs> oh yeah great oh, fun yeah God. yeah you, you we do all kinds their of... engagement and their forthcoming mm-hmm. nuptials and you know hope they live very and then all, all passengers getting all, oh congratulations yeah, oh yeah so oh, lovely yeah. and they, uh, and then you just kind of, you just kind of smile and nod and oh and uh, think of a way to get back at the person that just did that <laughs> yeah, to you. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's it's not uncommon at all. Um, and, and by the way, just a quick um, word about the uh, the Squawk Ident um, airline retirement um, show that they did a couple of shows ago. Uh, they had the thirty eight year old cap, not thirty eight year old, thirty eight year captain. Um, he, uh, was talking about, and I, it really made me at first kind of a little, a little irritated because, um, he was talking about, um, you know, like the, the, they were talking about the people like me who wouldn't necessarily want to have the big party and the big celebration and want to just, uh, kind of sneak out the back, uh, without anybody looking kind of thing. And also, for, for guy, they were talking about people that want to continue flying after their um, part 121 careers, like flying, like, like uh, the, the handsome, the, the good looking Captain Jeff, he, you know, he didn't have it out of his system yet. He still wanted to fly. And, uh, and there are a lot of us out there like that, that uh, aren't ready to, you know, kind of hang up the, uh, the flying boots and that kind of thing. And, uh, and I've never, Never, ever questioned that at all. Uh, uh, but some of us actually kind of look back at our long careers uh, in the airlines and, and also the military um, and, and with fond memories and acknowledgement that it's just one of the best jobs you could possibly have had. Um, and, uh, but even with that, uh, you understand that there are some other things I want to do that I really didn't have the opportunity to do while I was doing this for a living. And I want, and I've kind of like, I've I've had enough uh, of it and it was great. Don't get me wrong, but, um, I just want, uh, you know, to do something else now with, uh, the years that I have remaining in my life. So, uh, and I never, you know, belittle somebody that has that kind of 
plan for their retirement. And I just want to make, and I know that a lot of people that listen to aviation podcasts are enthusiasts or fellow uh, professional pilots and everything in between uh, that kind of find it hard to believe that anybody would have that attitude like I have where, you know, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I don't need to go out there and fly anymore for, for a living. I'm, I'm, I, my, my cup is full and, uh, there are just some other things that I have passions for that I want to continue on with. And, uh, so, but that's just, and I haven't, if I looked at this whole thing 20 years ago, in fact, when I did look at this 20 years ago, I, I was kind of in that same kind of group of people that thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be ready to stop flying when I hit 60 or 65. I want to keep doing this. But then when you actually experience it yourself, you fast forward another 20, 25 years, um, you you sometimes kind of see maybe the wisdom and maybe doing something else or not continuing on with professional flying. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to describe. It's a very describe. individual thing. It's an invi- individual thing for sure. Thank you, Liz. But um, um and the other thing I want to say about retirement, I know a lot of people have been asking for months and months and months. I knew that this is my retirement month, December. And uh, they were asking about, I want to be on your last flight. You know, when are you going to have your last flight, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I didn't really know at that time. I really honestly didn't know. Um, but um, it would be different. This gentleman that um, they had, uh, Aviator Tony had on his, on his show, obviously has a great family life. He's got a, you know, a, a family that really respects and honors and appreciates what he does for a living. And I'm thinking, oh, that's great. I, I really feel like people like that are blessed uh, and are able to kind of have that big celebration with their family and on the last flight and all that. And that's, if, if, if my situation were like that, I think I'd probably do the same darn thing. But my situation isn't that. And so, yeah, it just, I just found it easier just to kind of quietly stop doing what I'm doing as far as actively flying. But aviation is not something I'm retiring from. Uh, aviation podcasting is not something that I'm retiring from. I'm still going to be very involved in um, the passion that I have for aviation by doing this podcast. So um, I just felt like I needed to say that uh, because right. a lot of people have been asking me um, about that sort of thing. So I don't know. Uh, Captain Nick, um, you ended your uh, your flying career um, back in 2019, and I know it was not something uh, that you. It was not you had not planned to stop flying. You didn't like when you flew your last trip. You didn't realize it was your last trip, and and I had a very similar experience as well. Um, but the good thing for you is you had all these wonderful people in your life that uh, ended up heading down to your last layover. Um, when when you were actively flying, right? I think that was yeah, that was your last layover, wasn't it, in Miami? Yeah. Um, oh, most certainly, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because we, we knew that he was going to be down there, and it was. I think yeah. he had like a two night layover there in yep. Miami, and uh, and so uh, I think almost all of us on the crew um, headed you down. And Dana. And, uh, yeah, uh, Dana and myself and Liz. Was, um, was Steph there? No. I don't no think Steph, Steph or no Rick, Rick was there. No. But anyway, many several of us from the crew were, were down there, and we had a meetup at that wonderful little restaurant right there uh, the just south runway. of Runway 27. Yeah, the, the airfield. Uh, yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah. And we went to and, that great seafood place. Remember that? 
Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a it was a grand time. We had a good time. But as yeah, I said, I didn't imagine that was going to be my last trip. It's funny, isn't it? But uh, mm -hmm. now I look back on it and think, well, actually, that was a beautiful way for it to finish, and uh, I'm perfectly happy with it. Uh, the job had become um, a bit too routine, and I was looking forward to winding it up. And the fact that it wound up for me about six months earlier than it needed to uh, was absolutely fine. You know, when I realized that I wasn't going to get fit enough to fly again, I actually went, well, oh, that's, oh, that's good. I'm, you know, I've, I've done enough in my life to, uh, you know, to feel more than rewarded. So I feel like you, Jeff, that uh, uh, I didn't need a big send-off. That, that was never in my plan anyway, because, uh, I, you know, for me, the most exciting part of my flying career had been over 25 years prior when I left the Air Force. For me, my Air Force flying was undoubtedly the most exciting period of my life. And uh, flying in the airline industry was a super way to continue to get in the air and to make uh, a, a good living at it. But uh, that was never really going to be my, my dream job. Um, and as I got, you know, more and more senior and uh, life became, uh, you know, uh, done, ev just done just about everything I could in the civvy world. <laughs> you know, I, th I thought, well, I'm just, I'm just uh, playing this record over and over again now. So I, I've, I've felt I've done enough. And I've, I now understand exactly where you're coming from as well. I didn't really want to be that captain on his last trip and then to have something, uh, you know, make a mess of it all uh, and i was thinking oh, i really don't want that no because yeah. you, you just want everything to end in a perfect way just like seinfeld you know you stop at the 10-year point and say that's good i want to i want to stop end this on a high right i don't yeah, want to absolutely screw anything on a high. Um, yeah. although that last show was horrible uh on seinfeld <laughs> um but um what I'm going to say is that, you know, when you said it started becoming routine and everything else, I I didn't feel that way until I say my last year, and especially in my last six months. I the things that didn't ever bother me in my previous 34, 33, 34 years started getting to me, started bothering me. And I I vowed to myself, if I ever got to the point where I kind of dreaded going to work then it's time to stop doing this job. And it never quite got that far. It was kind of a, another situation stopped me from continuing on until right now. Um, my, my last um, flight was actually a couple of months ago. And, and, uh, and it was a great, it was honestly a really wonderful trip. I just picked up a last minute um, overnight to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which just happened to be the first landing um, that I did on the Boeing 717 when I checked out on it, uh, when I was on my own as a captain, not on an initial operating experience flight. Um, and it wasn't a very good landing. In fact, I remember talking to you all about how I slammed it in because we had a very, very strong <laughs> yes. headwind. And in fact, one of the listeners here, I don't know if he's still listening or not. He was a passenger. And uh, when he was getting off the airplane, he yelled something like, hey, Captain Jeff, uh, something about my landing. It was not a 
compliment. Uh, and I certainly <laughs> didn't observe, uh, didn't deserve a compliment for that landing it was horrible. Um, but the nice thing is that my last landing, and again, I didn't know it was my last landing, just much like Captain Nick, you didn't know it was your last landing when you landed at Miami. Um, I, in a way, I'm really thankful that it was like that because I didn't have all these like, oh no, this is going to be it and, you know, get emotional and, and maybe like praying it on or thinking, oh shoot, I really wish I had another. Uh, I don't think it was a bad landing. I don't remember it, which is a good thing. Um, and, uh, and the, uh, and the, the really nice thing about this overnight trip. So it was just one leg to Tulsa overnight, one leg back. And it was my first officer's leg on the way back. Um, great first officer, never flown with him before. And, uh, I think it was, uh, first officer Hoffman, great guy, just a wonderful guy. And I got to meet up with Sean and Karen and, in Tulsa, um, Unfortunately, uh, the the geezer Larry was unavailable uh, because it was just a very last minute thing, and uh, but we met up with uh, uh, Sean and uh, Karen uh, at a, a very nice restaurant. Uh, my first officer and I, I convinced him to go along with us, and it, it was a great it was a great celebration. It wasn't great as like what you got to experience, Nick, with you know a, a, gr- a bigger group of people and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it was just as nice, I'd say. And so, uh, Sean and Karen, I know you listen. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, it really means a lot to me that you were part of the very, very last part of my flying career. That's so, great. Anyway, just wanted to I say that. I just sent you a picture of Captain Nick's last landing oh. at Miami. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, this is a beautiful picture. I'm going to have it okay. framed. Uh, I know. Yeah. It was through a dirty window, and it was <laughs> raining like mad. Okay. So, Liz is talking about uh, this picture of Nick's last landing in Miami. And I am going to quickly try to share this with you so you can look at it too. And she said it was through a very dirty window. And it was pouring rain. And it was pouring rain. Um, Yeah, excuses, excuses. And here we go. Boom. There he is. Here we go. Yeah, that beautiful airplane. Down three thirty as well. Ah, That's too bad. We didn't have any three forties left by then. So I was uh, relegated to flying the the twin engine monster. February twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. February twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. You see, okay, I'm being guys. chased by a flock of birds. Can you see that huge flock of birds? Yeah, and those that yeah. flock of birds is actually fin. flying yeah. faster than your jet. I think. I think it <laughs> <No>. is. Yeah. <laughs> trying to overtake me. <laughs> anyway, so I. Thank you for giving me a little bit of time to, no, to talk great. about that. I'm not sure that I'm finished yet with that uh, topic, but um, I, as I've mentioned in the past, I do plan on having some kind of a party next year. And, uh, you know, maybe if um, all of us are able to be in attendance, you know, you included, Captain Nick, um, we oh, can yeah. both Gotta celebrate. Make a point of it. Well, we can both celebrate the end of great. our careers in. Uh, in the airlines. And um, yeah, so thank you, Paul, for asking the question that allowed me to kind of expound a bit on that. And let's wrap it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and Main Man Micah also points out, he says, uh, without wanting to belabor the point, we talk about your decision extensively on the episode of The Journey is the reward that should be out the first week in January. So yeah, if you want to hear me kind of talk a little bit more about that whole thing, I did uh, 
share. And sometimes I, and Liz, Liz can verify this. I, I tend to want to share more than I probably should about my personal life and decisions that I make. Um, but, um, it's your decision. Yeah. But, uh, I know it's because people love me and they, you know, care about what I say and because they're depending on making a living out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good, that's one. A good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Just kidding. Yeah. Anyway, gonna, so that have to give us a pay rise now. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to double it again. Yeah, All right. Uh, so, if you want to, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you want to learn more about us on the crew and the community, and if you want to buy merchandise, you want to learn more about the plain tales that uh, the old curmudgeon, the old pilot puts out there every once in a while and uh or if you read books about mostly about aviation there's a apg library uh Tiffany, one of those hats that stefan had uh is our librarian if you want yeah stefan uh, was wearing that hat oh no i don't think you can buy the hat though on the uh merchandise so oh, okay th that was kind of a separate thing but Sorry. anyway lots of stuff there check it out airlinepilotguy.com Com, and we're also on social media, what I like to call, and Steph loves it when I do, the social meds. She loves it. Indeed. Facebook, uh, you just do a little search. Search for Airline Pilot Guy. It's all one word. You'll find us there. On uh, Twitter, it's at APG Crew. And the Instas, where we just basically post the artwork, it's APG Crew. There you go. Jeff, we haven't mentioned this recently, our little QR code here. Maybe we want to show that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Liz is mentioning that uh, I did make this QR code. So if you happen to be uh, looking or listening to the show and you're seeing the chapter image of the uh, QR code, you can just point your phone. Well, I'm not sure how you would do that if you're listening to it on the phone. Maybe I didn't think this thing completely out. But anyway, we have a QR code. And well, uh, basically that... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> a screenshot, and then yep. you could we or, you we transfer that to your computer, and then take a picture of it. It's so easy. <laughs> I mean, a lot easier than just opening up your email program and sending it the feedback at airlinepilotguy.com. Yeah, I mean, exactly come on. Right. Or oh, you could like be listening to the podcast, pause it when you see the QR code, and then borrow somebody else's oh, that's uh, the trick. phone. Yeah, yeah. and okay. then do a screenshot. Or yeah. Yeah, um, uh, I guess I didn't really think that out. It's a bad idea. Anyway, uh, thank you for mentioning it, Liz. <laughs> and, uh, uh, if you um, need an iPad and a phone, so you could you could oh, watch yeah, there it you on go. your iPad <laughs> and take a picture with your phone. There you go. I'm the one that came up with the idea of the QR code. It has nothing to do with Liz. <laughs> she probably just trying to be nice and said, what the heck are you thinking there, Jeff? Um, okay. Speaking of what the heck was I thinking, um, bringing on this wonderful man to um, to to uh, manage and create this wonderful Slack team that we have, he's going to tell you about how you can join the team. Hey, can you tell us about Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. Yeah, his name's Hillel. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. 
To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thanks a lot, Hillel. Oh, God, do we have to... Oh, that's I th- awful. I think that that's, he's washing his hands. That's a good thing. Really? Oh, yeah. Sounds like he was evacuating. Uh, but actually, I didn't. When I pushed that button, I didn't think that it was going to play that sound clip. So <laughs> let me see if I can find a better one. Oh, you'll enjoy this one. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> ah! Oh yeah! Delta P. Yeah. A little bit of toilet humor never goes amiss. We, we have not heard the term Delta P in quite some time. And that, of course, Ooh. is the uh, the difference in pressurization, the PSID. Um, it's a term that we use, Delta P. And it's also a term that Hillel Miami uses Rick's when he's referring. Time. Yeah, Miami Rick loves uh, Delta P. In fact, every time he says it, you hear a bell. I don't know how that happens. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, when we refer to Delta P here, it uh, refers to the airline and uh, physiological um, uh, action. Okay. Um, that's going to be it, I think, for episode 597. Thank you all for listening. And, oh, before we go and completely sign off, we have to thank our no, wonderful producer. Who, well, okay. Yes, we do. We don't have to. We, but we still Goodbye, must. Liz. <laughs> Because, I I mean, if we don't acknowledge all the things that you do behind the scenes, then, you know, we're we're probably going to go You're just going to keep doing them. (laughs) Yeah, they're not just keep doing them yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So thank you, Liz. I mean, I mean, uh, she is really um, uh, a big part of what we do here every week and uh, a big help to me. I just wanted to say quickly, before yeah. we sign off, just so everybody knows, Steffi was still ailing this week, but she's better, but oh. she's at her work Christmas party this evening, so she couldn't join us. Oh, she got better in time for the work Christmas party. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's our uh-huh. girl. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. So. Sure, Steph. Sure. Oh, well, I hope you're having a great time. We missed you. And uh, Rick, anytime, man. Yeah. Give me a call. Let's yeah. do it. Let's you're do going, it. You're going AWOL again. Come on. I know. We're going we're gonna to have to have them on soon. So with that, I'm going to wish you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care, and God bless. All the best, everybody. See you next time. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. Such a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot
got no friends cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine